live. It is your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. That's 800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you, as always, can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on our website are completely free, so do enjoy those on us. That, again, freetalklive.com. Going to start things out tonight with a guest. As you know, we don't do them very often on the show, but from time to time we find outstanding personalities and interesting people that deserve to be shared with you. And this is someone who um, we've read his writings on the air before, but this is actually the first time that we've actually had him on the air with us. So it's I guess it's about time. And, and many of our listeners have been clamoring for it. So consumer demand has won out yet again. And uh, welcome, Stefan Molnew to Free Talk Live. Well, thanks very much. Uh, it's uh, great to be on. Uh, great to chat with you guys finally. And just wanted to let you know that most of these sort of quote listeners are clamoring for me to be on the show, mostly me with different email accounts, different accents, calling up <laughs> Hungarian women, you know, that kind of stuff. So I just wanted to be upfront with that. So, Stefan, you, you do accents? Stefan, you do accents? Uh, you know, I uh, I was an actor when I was younger. I spent two years wow. studying at the National Let me hear your cowboy. Canada, so. Sorry? Let me hear your cowboy. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Let's start off with something like that. Yeah, great. Okay, well, which state do you want? Because, you know, the Cowboys are different to each state. You can pick. <laughs> oh, he's stalling. Don't listen to him. <laughs> do you think? Is it that obvious? Yeah. What a great way to start a nice intellectual conversation, Mark. Thanks well, for that. Well, he said Yo. accents. I'm sorry. I, I, intellectual isn't my strong suit, you know. Well, uh, the reason, I guess a lot of our listeners, uh, we've got a bit of a crossover here, because uh, Stefan, if you don't know, is also a, uh, a bit of a talk show host, though so I guess you don't really host a talk show. I, I don't know if that's really even accurate to call your show that, is it? Um, I do a show on Sundays, which is uh, like a conference call uh, on Skype, but no, it's not like a radio talk show, it's mostly me, uh, and then like once a week I'll sort of have people come in and we'll, we'll go back and forth. You do have a uh, a talk product. Um, it is not talk radio per se. It is uh, Stefan, and he uh, the product is Free Domain Radio, which you can actually access at freedomainradio.com. And of course, there are more than you know. You've got the message board, like we have a message board, and if actually you uh, you actually do video podcasting in addition to uh, to audio podcasting as well. Do you find that one is more popular than the other? Well, it's interesting. I do find that the video stuff, you're reaching a younger crowd, Mm -hmm. and you've really got to keep it snappy, and you've got to keep it relatively short, because, uh, you know, these kids uh, hopped up on caffeine with ADD, uh, (laughs) MTV generation, you know, the the sustainability of the conversation is a little bit more intense, is the nicest way I can put it. Uh, So, uh, yeah, I get a bit of an older crowd with the podcast, so we can get into more relaxed and deep topics that way, but... Uh, yeah, definitely the video crowd is like, uh, hey, nothing's been happening for, for 12 minutes. The, you know, the camera hasn't changed. What's going on, right? So uh, that's a little bit tougher for people, but uh, it's, it's definitely a good venue for getting people to, to the podcast. Now, how would you describe Free Domain Radio? Well, Free Domain Radio is, I mean, I sort of started 25 years ago as an objectivist and went through a libertarian phase. And so it's basically, it's a show about personal and political uh, freedom. Uh, I was very much onto the political and economic side of things, and then my wife screwed it all up. Uh, what she, my wife's a psychologist, and so what she did was she began to sort of talk to me about the origins of people's particular belief structures as adults, mm-hmm. and sort of stepped me through the process of how you know we sort of born into a structure of the family which gives us certain tastes or flavors of 
uh, authority and, and how we relate to people. There's churches, there's teachers. And so she helped sort of really open up this world of childhood and its sort of impact on our belief systems. So I sort of began to work a little bit more around how is it that we can achieve the maximum freedom within our own lives, given that we don't really have a whole lot of control over getting rid of the state. I mean, much though we'd like to, yeah. uh, it's not the easiest thing in the world to do. So how much can we bring freedom into our own lives? And that, I think, has a lot more to do with our personal relationships than it does with our relationships to the state, which is kind of abstract and one-sided. So have you, I really um, sort of it, try and focus on that. Have right? you ever read Harry Brown's How I Found Freedom in an Unfree World? It has been recommended to me, but I haven't. I did uh, listen to The Dear Departed, Harry Brown, for quite some time, and he would make reference to aspects of that book. Yeah. But it, yeah, I think I think it's something quite similar in, to, in it. Right. It sounds as though you're sort of continuing in that tradition, and I think that's great. I think that's, uh, that's something that could be very helpful to a lot of people, you know, tips on to, uh, to how to live free, not just... Uh, in reality, but also in your mind, and I think that's all. That's very important stuff. So your show is more of a uh, philosophical um, exercise in freedom, whereas we sort of uh, cover more of the issues elements of uh, of the whole thing here. And so I think we can uh, coexist fairly well together, and uh, we share a lot of listeners. And I think that's a, that's a happy little symbiosis that we have here, Stefan. Um, but so one of the other reasons I have you on the show is because I happen to think that you're probably one of the, the greatest thinkers of our current age. I really enjoy it um, whenever I spot one of your articles on, for instance, Lou rockwell.com one of our favorites i think that we've read in, in at least the recent past was the gun in the room oh yeah how did you uh, who showed you the gun in the room how did you uh, come come to be aware of that the yeah i mean and i guess you I mean your listeners know the idea and the idea I just had a debate with a listener today um about this very issue that he was arguing and it, it really came out of just debating with somebody about the iraq war actually it was a uh, uh, somebody that uh, my wife knew her uh, brought uh, her husband over, who was quite militaristic. Uh, and uh, so we were debating about the Iraq War. And it just kind of came down to the central issue that I found to be very powerful uh, in terms of communicating about liberty. Because, you know, we all get kind of stuck in statistics and this and that and the history and the details and yeah. so on. And I wanted to try and find a way to cut through to the marrow of the discussion and try and find a way to communicate in a, you know, I have a great respect for religious forms of communication. I mean, that's really powerful stuff. So I wanted to try and get to a core message and in that debate, I could not get him to agree that the Iraq war was bad. And, you know, we were all arguing about what the effects would be, whether it would be good or bad. This is some years ago. And so finally, what I said was I said, well, you and I disagree now. And it just sort of struck me, really, that the fundamental issue was that I was allowing him to disagree with me. Right. So mm -hmm. I wasn't going to throw him in jail or support him getting thrown in jail if he wanted to support the Iraq war. Like Certainly not. That would be there. barbaric and awful. Right, right. But, and so I said, can we get a mutual agreement on that? Can we get a mutual understanding? I won't prevent you from supporting the Iraq war. I would never throw you in jail for supporting it. Will you support me not being in favor of that war? And he said, well, sure, you know, of course. I would in that, will he not throw you in a jail cell? Yeah, right. right. Would he support, like, would, would he give me the liberty to disagree with him without me being thrown in jail? And he said, well, sure. And I said, so then you'd support me not paying taxes to support the war. <laughs> and there was one of these horrible silences. <laughs> you know, you had those three. You're at a kind of social engagement and things are going fine. And yeah. I'm practicing my, my southern accents with the cowboys and so on. <laughs> and, and then suddenly you get to a really core issue and it's like the air just gets all electric and the, the hairs go up in your arm. Yeah. Because like, it really came down to that issue. Would you support me not paying taxes to pay for this war? Did he and, answer after uh, you sort of dropped that bomb? He grudgingly did, because 
you, you really you can't get out of that corner, right? Unless you're willing to say yes, I will throw you in jail. In which case, then you just say, well, there's no point having a discussion because if you're going to throw me in jail, let's not pretend that we're debating. Yeah, right. right. What's what, what is there to debate on if uh, if you're going to throw me in jail if I disagree? Right, right. And and I think that one of the things that libertarians do is we engage in this process of debate, and we're kind of you know we're like the you know, the traumatized kids with the alcoholic dad, like there's this big elephant in the room called the state and the gun, and am I going to get thrown in jail? And we don't, I think we don't as often as we should just ask that basic question. Like, if I disagree with you, yeah. are you going to have me thrown in jail? Because if you are, then let's not pretend to debate. I mean, it's totally barbaric, as you say. Now, I had, you, had not, given me this, you had given me this example off the air um, when we were talking on your message board, and uh, I, think it's a, I think it's a great approach I think it's very friendly. It's not as uh, combative necessarily as saying, so you want to put me in a jail cell, which is some, sometimes the approach that I've taken. And I kind of like that because you're appealing to their uh, to their kindness um, right up front, and you, you back them into that corner and to which they can't of, get away from. Uh, speaking of being up front, I'm probably going to use your little uh, that, that little line on uh, callers in the future. Well, I, I, you know, and you can, you're right. I mean, the, the flavor, like the emotional flavor, which we, which we bring to bear in the conversation, it definitely can be as like, oh, you want me thrown into the gulag and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's like I will extend this courtesy to you that we can disagree and you can live free. I would hope that you would extend that courtesy to me. And most, I mean, who's it would, it would only be free? fair. Stefan, hang on. We're bringing you back for more. If you've got a question for Stefan Molyneux, he is... Uh, He's a great thinker, great um, market anarchist thinker or free marketeer. We'll find out what he calls himself here in a few moments. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll free line. 1-800-259-9231. This is your show. It is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live, it is your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's 1-800-259-9231. You can take control of the airwaves, bring up whatever you want, though we are in the midst of a guest at the moment here, and uh, we're going to get back to that here shortly. And by the way, you can join us online at freetalklive.com. Lots of features on our website. All of them are for free, and that includes live streams. There's a broadband version of the show and a dial-up version as well, both waiting for you for free at freetalklive.com. And SACL CAI has a full-orbed approach to account recovery. It's really three companies in one. They do collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL knows the way they treat your customer reflects on you. Their staff is respectful, they record every call, and they have the best equipment money can buy, so your business is handled as efficiently as possible. See their banner at freetalklive.com or call 800-544-6359. That's 1-800-544-6359. Do business with businesses that support Free Talk Live as we return to Stefan Molyneux. He is a uh, philosopher, he's an author, and uh, the host of Free Domain Radio, which you can get online at freedomainradio.com. Stefan, you're back on Free Talk Live. Thank you very much. So, uh, we've been covering just a variety of different things, and I have a, a number of questions that I would like to ask you, but i also got two co-hosts in the studio here, so I'd, I want to give you guys the opportunity to ask Stefan some questions here. Of course, we'll take calls if you've got them at 800-259-9231. Uh, Stefan, what kind of uh, reaction do you get for from your podcast i know you um you do a uh, an audio podcast on your way to to and from work is that correct you've got a long drive and and you just do it recorded in the car do um do, do you get distracted when you do this podcast I, i'm just wondering what's what's it like do, what kind of response do you get how many people listen that kind of thing well um 
I think, I mean, it, it's sort of hard to track the Internet stuff. I had 210,000 media views last month. Um, and I, I think it's tracking around 25,000 uh, listeners. So Sounds good. It's not too bad. Yeah, I, I it's not too bad at all. Are tuning in. It's not bad. I think a lot of people are tuning in just to find out what's going to happen if I ever get pulled over. I don't um, know. <laughs> because it's, it's a video podcast in the car as well. Like I have my webcam on there. Yes. And ah, so uh, people I love think that. that that's dangerous. But, of course, I've got the recording, so nothing bad's going to happen, right? So. I, you know, I've seen that before. What, what possessed you to start doing that with video in your car? Um, well, I wanted to reach the people who are on YouTube, right? I mean, there's lots of people who don't really go to podcasts. Right. They're sort of sitting after school or whatever. So I just sort of wanted to get to that. I actually, just to sort of a minor correction, which there's no reason you'd know anything about that, um, I, I quit. Like, I gave up my career. Right? Okay. So I'm now a kept man. Uh, my mistress is my wife and the muse philosophy. So uh, I've actually I've quit. Like, I, I was a software executive for many years and kind of founded companies. Ah. I grew companies, sold companies, and now uh, I'm sitting there grubbing away on a microphone and couldn't be happier. So I've actually quit and gone full-time because I'm sort of like you guys in a lot of ways. That just You have a lot of donations, and, and that's sort of the way that I operate too. So, so you're, you're uh, making, so no, I mean, the reaction's you're getting enough money to be able to do this full-time, quote-unquote, professionally, that kind of thing? Well, uh, I, would I mean, some money professionally. I think you guys have it uh, more down than I do, but I think that uh, it's you know it's a, it's definitely a pay cut. I mean, it's it's you know software. They just it's like a fire hose of money, right? You've got Are you feeding yourself with the uh, with with the donations? Yes. yes okay. Actually, uh, wow! Uh, congratulations. Uh, We're not there yet. You're covering. <laughs> speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. You are getting ninety percent. So. Well, um, and remember, I don't. Uh, well, what are my expenses, right? I mean, <laughs> right. my, my yeah, low overhead. My car. Well, now that you're home, do you still drive in your car to do the podcast? <laughs> no, I actually, I picked up a little portable recording device that lets me record from a microphone into MP3 format. I actually go for walks uh, and hikes and, and podcast there and scare the livestock with my uh, ranting. Huh. Now, all right, so um, how would you define yourself? I sort of labeled you um, as perhaps a market anarchist or free marketeer. I think some alternative terms would be anarcho-capitalist or voluntarist. Do you have a favorite, or do you try to stay away from labels? Well, I think labels are inevitable, um, but they're always very tricky because labels limit, in a sense, as much as they reveal. Mm. So when you say anarcho-capitalist, people just think that, yeah, I don't know, like you – you want to sell motorbikes with machine guns to people who don't respect the law or something like that. I just don't yeah. know what that means. You mean we don't? Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, no, that's, that's the second hour, right? But, uh, so, uh, you know... We have a new sponsor just, I'd like to announce. <laughs> <laughs> Harley machine gun. <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I, uh, I sort of... I like the term philosopher uh, just because uh, it sounds fairly elevated and, and it really is around the search for truth, right? I mean, mm. I... Market capitalism or market anarchy or anarchism, whatever you want to call it, that's the result of the methodology of rationalism and empiricism. And so you don't want to identify yourself with a result. Like Einstein didn't say, I am a, uh, a relativist. Like a, a, He said, I am a scientist, right? And the mm -hmm. theory of relativity was one of his, uh, the conclusions that came out of that methodology. So I love the methodology of, of philosophy. One of the conclusions is, you know, voluntarism, market anarchism, the free market, and so on. So I don't like to sort of identify myself with a conclusion, but rather with a methodology because it's much more flexible and powerful, I think. That makes sense. Uh, I'm happy to call you a philosopher, but uh, if you had to pick a label, which of those four would, uh, would you prefer? I, I'd, I'd stick with philosopher, I think. Very good. 
Because that way I can snare people in my webs of logic before they find out where I'm leading them. That's that, that makes sense. That makes sense. And something else I wanted to cover about your show and what you're doing as far as you know, creating audio and video content on the Internet. Do you feel like, I mean, you'd mentioned to me that it took you, I think, something like 20 years to get to the point where you're at today as far as philosophically, just the progression of uh, rejecting the state and, you know, just that whole progression took you some time to get there. It's taken me at least seven years to get to where I am today, and arguably you know a heck of a lot more about philosophy than I do. I'm just a government school graduate. So do you feel like shows like ours and yours are helping fast-track people? I sort of feel that way. I feel like we're helping people jump over a lot of the hurdles that uh, that we might have struggled with in the past and really helping take them directly to the conclusions that we've ended up making. Do you get that um, impression from your show, the people that listen? Well, I- I think so. I mean, certainly I, I, I think so. And I think that an appropriate analogy, if, if it works for you, is something like, you know, I, I like to think that what we're doing is sort of like medicine, right? So the first guy to figure out that, that maybe penicillin might be helpful in fighting infections or whatever, fighting bacteria. Uh, I mean, he had to go through, he had to jump through all these hoops. He had to test on all of these, you know, test on rats and all this kind of stuff. And eventually after 10 years, he tested on people and so on. And so what we're doing is, you know, when we have to sort of carve our own way into figuring out what's right and wrong, true and false, we then sort of prove it. And the way that we prove it, in my view, is in our own lives first, right? That's sort of why I focus on the personal freedom first. Mm -hmm. When you've got personal freedom in your own life, you become much more irresistible, I think, in terms of communicating about freedom in a political or economic sense. So I think that ethics and, and knowledge and truth is a kind of technology, right? And you, if you're a doctor in the 19th century and you don't prescribe antibiotics, you're not a bad doctor because they're not invented yet. But now, if you don't do it, you are a bad doctor because it's common knowledge. So I think that we're sort of the icebreakers, and then people can paddle upstream a little bit with the, the sort of ice broken along the way. And I, I think it does get easier every time we communicate something in a sort of impassioned or positive or clear way. It just makes it that much easier. People don't have to invent the wheel as much themselves, so I think it is essential. Right. I think we're sort of on the. Uh, the I think we're on the very beginning cusp of a, you know, of a bit of a libertarian, liberty-oriented um, revolution in, in at least um, the Western world, um, because of the internet. Um, you know, we're we're able to. We've got people who have the right message, like your show and our show, and we're able to now propagate it out so much more effectively than we ever could have in the past. I mean, the things that we're doing and what you're doing wouldn't have been possible a decade ago. And I think that uh, we're really starting to see some of the results of that, and I think it's very powerful. And Stefan, if you'll hold on, we're going to bring you back for some more. 800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line. If you've got a question for philosopher Stefan Molnieu, I think he's one of the uh, more talented thinkers of our time, you can get on the lines and ask it, because he's here. 1-800-259-9231. Coming up, I want to talk to him about getting from here to there. We'll see what that's all about. Coming up, it's Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, the toll-free number for you to take control of the airwaves, 800-259-9231. You can bring up what you want, though. Hopefully you'd have a question for Stefan Molyneux, our guest right now. Uh, that is the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. My name's Ian. 
Wayne. And Mark. And uh, you can join us online, of course, at freetalklive.com. All the features there are completely free. Updates included. You get signed up. We clue you in whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show. You'll know first if you're on the updates list at updates.freetalklive.com. That's updates.freetalklive.com. Are you prepared for the day the dollar drops to zero? D2Z.org proposes that day is near. Go to D2Z.org and learn how to survive and thrive during the U.S. dollar crisis. That's D2Z.org. Org. We're back with Stefan Molyneux, and uh, you're back on Free Talk Live. Stefan, are you there? You bet. Very good. So uh, so we've covered, again, a variety of different topics. I wanted to move into the future and talk about how we can get from here to there, specifically from where we are today, the status quo, to a state with, uh, well, no government, a state without a state, if you will. And I I think that you share um, that vision. In fact, that's one of the things that I really like about a lot of the articles that you write, especially um, a lot of them I see at lewrockwell.com. I don't know where else they appear. Um, But a lot of them, you've got a a great vision for some possibly market-oriented solutions to typical objections that people come up with. One of those is your uh, classic DRO example, the Defense Resolution, I think it was, organization? Uh, dispute Resolution Organization. Excuse me. D- dispute Resolution Organizations, this sort of market defense sort of um, group that would uh, allegedly spring up in the absence of the uh, the government defenders, so-called. And I, I think that that's great. I think we need people with vision for the future and just some ideas as to what, what the, uh, the marketplace would come up with. Now, a DRO would necessarily be what the market came up with, but it's one idea, and I think that's really important. It's important to have those ideas to share with people so they know that this isn't just you know, some total pie-in-the-sky fantasy. And you're very good right. at, at coming up with those. So, in that same vein, what do you think the most likely path is going to be to get from here to there? Well, I mean, that's an excellent question, and, and it is a core question. Just, just before I answer that, the first thing that I would say is I'm sort of very concerned about people becoming enslaved to liberty, you know, so it's like I must work to bring about a stateless society or to fight the government and so on. We're lucky enough to be able to make some meat and bread out of that. Not everyone is as lucky as that. So uh, I think it's important to, to continue to focus on freedom and liberty in your personal life and so on. That oh, absolutely, absolutely. And I want to point out that I completely agree. If you don't have your personal freedom first, you shouldn't be out there putting your freedom on the line to fight for others. I totally agree with you. And I've found my personal freedom, so at this point, I'm fighting for everyone else's freedom. Right. You know that thing, you're, you're on the plane, and they say, you know, when if the oxygen mask drops down, you, you suck the air yourself before helping the person next to you. Exactly. That's sort of the way that I see freedom. So. But the way I think it's going to come about, I have sort of the long view and the short view, and I'll just very briefly talk about those. Um, starting with the, the short view. And the short view is that, as you know, the, the sort of international financial system based on the U.S. dollar is going through some rather exciting tumult. The, the U.S. Uh, unfunded liabilities are 40 to $60 trillion. Nobody even knows. They stopped publishing the money supply. And, I mean, it, it, it's, it's c- c- clearly uh, uh, not far from the end as far as this, this existing system goes. Mm-hmm. Now, people who don't listen to their doctor's advice to, you know, exercise and, you know, stop smoking and, and, and eat better or whatever. And they say, no, nah, I'm fine, right? And they're wheezing when they go up the stairs. <laughs> if the doctor says, you know, if you don't fix up yourself, you're going to have a heart attack, right? And the guy's like, nah, doc, I'll be fine. I'll live forever. You know, this kind mm-hmm. of thing. My dad was, you know, 90, smoked cigars and stuff. Now, if the doctor keeps saying, look, if you keep this up, you're going to crash. Uh, when the guy does have a heart attack, that's when he may start listening to the doctor. Like, that's the chance he has to start listening to the doctor. 
Right. I mean, he may, he may still not, but, you know, if he's not going to listen to the doctor before the crash, he might afterwards. So I feel a certain amount of urgency. I'm not sure if you guys feel the same way to get the message out that, you know, violence doesn't work, right? Coercion doesn't work. It, it leads to unsustainable situations. Governments always grow until they destroy the host society or attempt to, and certainly until they self-destruct. So I think that we need to be the people saying, even though sometimes people look at us like we're crazy, you know, this isn't sustainable. This isn't going to work. Uh, the, you know, there is going to be a crash. Uh, it is, a, you know, th this system is heading for disaster. Right. And that way, when it does, at least we have some credibility, right? Because there will be... Finally, a... for the first time! <laughs> yeah, right. Well, It'll be shocking. I wouldn't even know what to do with it. <laughs> credibility will come to my door, and I'll say, I'm sorry, you must be looking for somebody else on this. They'll just blame you for it, it happening. <laughs> right, right. But yeah. So I think we, we need to really get the, the word out there that, you know, violence doesn't work. Because when the system crashes, right, historically when systems crash, you sort of look at Germany in the 1920s and other sorts of situations, when a system crashes, sort of people go one of two ways, right? The, the two ways. They either say, well, the system doesn't work because it's immoral and it's, it's, you know, it's based on violence. And, you know, so what has failed is not freedom but coercion, right? Mm -hmm. and that, that's what we want people to get out of the coming crash, that, that what failed was not freedom but what failed was coercion. Yes. And that way the solution will not be more of the same, right? So. Uh, but, of course, it could go the other way, right? Where people say, well, you know, freedom was given its chance, the free market was given its chance, the same way that they thought in the Depression, right? They thought that the Great Depression in the 1930s was the result of the free market. Of course, it wasn't true at all. And so the solution was more government. If we can get people to really understand that the violence, the gun in the room, the coercion at the root of the government is what's causing all these problems, then when those problems come to a head, I think that people will say, well, so the solution has to be less. So I think there's going to be that short-term view. And the longer-term view is you know, better parenting. We've got to get our kids out of public schools so that they don't grow up with this really distorted view of authority and Absolutely. society and so on. So, so, you're, so let me see if I understood you there correctly. You're saying that, you know, keep up the message of education, getting people uh, into the pro-liberty fold and, uh, you know, helping them understand the gun in the room and that government is force and that force creates unintended consequences and all other sorts of problems. Um, and then just sort of wait for the, the, the point at which government fails. Is that what you're suggesting? Is there nothing we can do to hasten its failure or to, uh, to end it in advance of its natural uh, destruction? Well, sure, there are things that we can do, but they're kind of unpalatable, right? Like, so, for instance, if you get yourself arrested and get a nice, long, juicy jail sentence, then you're no longer contributing taxes, but you're draining the coffers, mm. right? I mean, if you go and sign up for the war in Iraq, you're, you know, then allowing them to bleed more taxpayers' money in the form of, you know, taxes to pay for the war. There's lots of things that you can do to hasten the government's demise along, or if you want, you can pay lots of extra taxes so they can use the money as leverage in the international markets to get further into debt. <laughs> but uh, I don't think that any individual action that we can take is going to have much effect that way. I also think it's far too late for a, a sort of controlled demolition, so to speak, or a soft landing for the system. Mm -hmm. yes. I mean, the, what is the debt? It's like it's like $120,000 per American. Uh, uh, the, it's the obscene. Yeah, it's very liability. large. And yeah, there's like no motivation. Um, if, if, it seems to me if the uh, government's going to collapse, it's going to likely collapse due to its fiat currency. Um, and there's no motivation by the people that control the fiat currency to have a soft landing. Um, you know, the soft landing would help the consumer end uh, person. Um, they right. might as well make as much money as they possibly can on up to the day that it detonates. Yeah, their mortgages oh, sure, are paid yeah. off. Well, there's, uh, there's also somebody uh, who's a friend of mine who is a... Um uh, he's, a, he's a Russian, and, and he left Russia uh, shortly after the crash. And he said, sort of looking through the Russian, he's very interested in history. 
And he said, like they knew in Russia in the 80s, that the system was completely unsustainable. And so what happened was, it's sort of like uh, a whole bunch of people in a treasure room and the doors closing forever. So they just, they grab everything that they can conceivably get a hold of because they know, like the people on the inside know where we are in terms of like a lot better than you or I ever will, right? That's Until right. after the fact. And they all have their Swiss bank accounts and other currencies. Right. And they, they have a much closer view of how close we are to, to hitting the ground, right? So mm. uh, what happens is, you know, when, the, when people realize that it's unsustainable, like that it's going to collapse within their own generation, what happens is it starts to accelerate it much faster, right? Because then everyone's like, oh, my God, it's going to go down. Run well, on the banks. Here, and, you grab, yeah. run. You, know, like right. you just stuff everything you can. And I think that's what a lot of the war in Iraq has something to do with that. There's no better way for the government to pillage the taxpayers than to declare a war, right? So uh, you look at the prescription drug plan, like all of the spending that goes on, and people are all surprised the Republicans are spending so much, but... Because it can't last, there's a feeding frenzy going on right now, which is just going to accelerate it even before, uh, you know, the original projections were whatever's going on internal to the Fed or whoever knows better. Now, we're going to do our best, obviously, in the meantime, between now and then, to educate as many people about liberty as possible. I don't know how much of a dent we're going to make, because who knows how long this is going to take for it to actually come crashing down. But when it does... Uh, the federal government will fail, but the state governments might still be there, and most people will still believe in governments. So I don't know if that's necessarily going to bring an end to all states, perhaps just the overarching federal one. We're going to continue with more of this discussion with Stefan Molnir and your calls about what you want. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. Edmark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online, freetalklive.com. All the features there are completely free, so enjoy those on us. And if you like the show, you want to help support Free Talk Live, then head on over and amp us. Head over to amp.freetalklive.com and send us as little as three bucks a month. That's all we're asking for if you like the show and you want to help uh, get us on more radio stations, because that's one of the things that the amp money is going for. It's going to promote us uh, to other stations to get on more, and we've got some real cool things um, working behind the scenes right now. I don't think we can really talk about them, but uh, we've got a major poss- possible major station announcement coming soon. We've got our fingers crossed for it, and it's happening only because of you guys that are amping the show. We've got uh, hundreds of our listeners that are sending us as little as three bucks a month, and it makes a big difference. You also get access to special perks like the AMP-only call-in line, uh, the AMP-only forum, and uh, chat room and more. All the details at amp.freetalklive.com. But only a few more moments to interview Stefan Molnieu. He is back on the line with us, actually. Uh, Stefan, you're in Canada, right? Yes, uh, and sorry to be totally annoying. Can I can I just finish one thought that I, I was just thinking about during, <laughs> but during of course. the break? Because we were just, I, I'm just, I'm not used to interruption. Yes. Because <laughs> I just do a monologue, but... Um, I just sort of wanted to point out, like, it's a challenge for sure where it is that we're heading. But man, oh man, like, if ever, if ever, uh, freedom and and liberty have had a shot uh, in the world in world history, it's now. Absolutely, right? I mean, it's now it, it, we have the most incredible tools. This is like the first time that Luther translated the Bible into the Vulgate. I mean, we have the most incredible tools to get information out to people bypassing the powers that be, bypassing yep. the people who aren't interested in our message, and speaking directly in a pure Socratic tradition, speaking directly to people. Uh, and, and that, to me, is the most thrilling aspect. I mean, that's why I threw up my career, because this is a, like a, a, an absolutely pivotal prism historic moment where we get a chance to communicate about the truth yes. directly to people. And I think that the truth will win out, and it sure as heck has never had 
a better venue. You're absolutely right. Individuals have always been better at uh, moving uh, more agile than the state. We've always been able to uh, organize uh, more effectively and, uh, you know, we're more decentralized. But now with the advent of the Internet, it it is so much um, it has enabled us to do so much more with so much less and uh, so so cheaply and affordably and uh, and effectively. Um, I I completely agree. And as that sort of ties into what I said before, and I think we're just on the beginning cusp of this wonderful time. It's it's only going to get better for people like us, Stefan. Absolutely. And I think that, in a sense, like, I don't I mean, nobody can give you a blueprint about how the world is going to become free. But, you know, without a doubt, freedom is better than slavery. Pacifism, is, you know, not self-defense. Pacifism is, is better than violence. Voluntarism is better than coercion. And, you know, we've got an amazing group of people who are out there passionately advocating for this. For the first time in history, we can speak to, you know, hundreds of thousands of people a month. I mean, how could that conceivably have been done? If you're a professor, maybe you can teach a thousand people a year. You know, we, we're reaching right. tens or hundreds of thousands of people every month. I mean, it's, it's absolutely staggering. It's viral, I think. And because we're the healthiest virus out there, we're going to spread. I mean, that to me just seems inevitable. Exactly. It's like a happy little virus. And by the way, I want to plug your, uh, your website again. I definitely want to get this in here. It's freedomainradio.com. That's how people can, uh, can get in touch with you and grab your podcast and your video podcast and all that other good stuff and get interactive on your forums. Um, and by the way, I, uh, I wanted to go, speaking of, you know, how to get from here to there and things that we can do now today that weren't possible. Possible in the past. I want to hear what you think about the Free State Project. Uh, for those of you just tuning in, we're on with Stefan Molyneux. He's a, a, a philosopher, a very liberty-minded philosopher, and uh, I like the way he thinks. But I've never really actually heard you explain how you feel about this movement of 20,000 liberty-loving individuals all moving into the same, um, call it a state, uh, landmass, uh, in this case New Hampshire, in order to live more free. How does that, uh, how does that make you feel? Well, two of you have moved, right? Two of us? Uh, well, Isn't that right? uh, all of us in this room. There's three of us here. It's uh, it's Ian, Wayne, and Mark, and uh, all three of us have already moved. And there are a few hundred people that have also moved up here that as early movers as part of uh, the Free State Project. But the official move doesn't start until there's uh, the the twenty thousand mark has been reached, at which we're I think over seven thousand members at this point. So we're still we're still well on that path. But uh, but yes, we have moved. Well, that's great. And you like New Hampshire? Oh, it's beautiful. Well, that's great. Um, I uh, I don't think that you can use the state to control the state. I don't think that you. I mean, this is this is a, a huge debate that that I've had recently. Uh, uh, I've been like the you know Keanu Reeves in the second Matrix movie. You know, like six million people piling on him and he's mm-hmm. trying to do his thing, right? Uh, it, it's a, it's this huge debate relative to the Ron Paul candidacy and and things that we can do to try to uh, control the state, to control the growth of the state, to try and fight resolutions by getting involved in politics. Um, I love the idea, and I spent many years, I actually tried to found a political party up here in Canada, then realized, of course, just what a mess that is to try and get anything achieved. Right. I, I love the idea of the political solution, but uh, just looking at it sort of as, as sort of coldly and empirically as I can, you know, objectivists, classical liberals, libertarians, anarchists, you name it, have tried to use political means for the last 150 years to control, restrain, minimize the power, the growth of the power of the state. And it's been a complete disaster. I mean, not only have people not been able to shrink the state, but the state has been growing ever faster. 
I would like know, to I'd like to inter- interject something here, and that is that uh, the Free State Project isn't necessarily a political movement. It is simply a movement of liberty-oriented individuals, some of which are minarchists, some of which are free marketeers, uh, and you know, variety in between. Uh, a movement of individuals who are all moving to the same place in order to be activists for liberty. Now, whether that means doing politics, I don't know. It depends on each individual and what he or she wants. So, somebody like me, I'm a little bit more uh, oriented towards civil disobedience. I happen to I happen to prefer that crowd, and there's a large, uh, large crowd of agorists and civil disobedience types and and uh, and anarchists here in in Keene, New Hampshire, where I've uh, I've chosen to move. Obviously, more of the political types have moved into to you know the the state house uh, up in Concord, for instance. So I just want to make it clear in case you, people have sort of misinterpreted the uh, Free State Project to you, it is not a political movement. It's simply a movement of liberty-oriented people all converging together. Now, if you've got it based on that concept, just the you know the idea of okay, well, I agree with you that over the past several decades, this, the liberty movement's been an utter abject failure for the most part, but I think that one of the reasons why it's been such a failure is because we've been so spread apart. Um, we've been right. so far away from those who, who are, are like-minded, and I think there's something really valuable to getting all those people together. And I'm kind of with you, Stefan. I don't know if anything's really going to come from all the political stuff, but at the same time, you know, if that's what those guys want to go and do, far be it for me to stop them. Eventually, they'll come to the same conclusions that you and, you and I have, and that is they're, they're spinning their wheels and they're wasting their efforts. Um, but I think that there's something else to be said. And I'd, I'd like to hear you just, you know, your opinion on the convergence of libertarians and liberty-minded people all moving sort of together to the same area, just that general concept. Right, and thanks for the correction. I, I certainly I thought it was more focused around trying to gain control of the legislature. But look, I mean, surrounding yourself with liberty-minded people is essential. I mean, you know, doing business with people who have the same basic approach to – I mean, values have a huge impact on, on one's social life, one's love life, uh, your, your life as a parent, your life as a, as a, as a child to, to your parents. Values have an immense, enormous fundamental impact on the quality of your relationship. So the more that you can surround yourself with people who have – you know, you don't want to say the same values because we you, know, you can't photocopy anybody, but at least the same basic values, right? You know, you don't see a whole lot of scientific conventions, including people who you know read the movement of atoms from Ouija boards, right? I mean, you try to get people of like minds together uh, so that you can not keep having to rehash over the basics all the time. So, I mean, I think it's a wonderful thing to surround yourself with as many people who have rational values as possible. Also, how do you feel about um, you using the government's cloak of legitimacy against it? You know, we all know that there are these people out there that believe in government, and they have their elections, and they do their government thing, and the vast majority of the population still is operating under this belief system. So while the population still believes in the, you know, the, the government because of its cloak of legitimacy, how do you feel about And I don't think that you would actually get involved in this, but I was pretty burnt out on politics down in Florida, but I figured, you know what, I'll give it one last shot here in New Hampshire before I completely disassociate myself from it. And so what we're doing here, for instance, is uh, we're running some candidates in the local municipal elections um, for the, simply for the purpose. I mean, if they win, then that's good. We'll try to cut down the size of government. But, um, but you know, there are, there's a tension given to these political campaigns. I mean, you can talk about Ron Paul, too, as well, in the same sort of vein, you know, in that is it possible that – or do you feel like it's at least effective to some extent to utilize the system for its um, promotional ability because the news media pays so much attention to it to run those candidates to spread these ideas? Yes, you're still using the system, but otherwise if you didn't use the system, then you wouldn't be uh, – they wouldn't be paying as much attention to you. There's a chance that people wouldn't come across your message. For instance, I wouldn't have come across libertarianism had it not been – 
perhaps for Harry Brown running as the Libertarian presidential candidate in the year 2000. And, and look at all the things that I've been able to do since then. You see where I'm coming from? I, I absolutely do. And, and as far as communication goes, I think that if you can get a, a, a consistent message of you know, against the non like pro non aggression principle against the initiation of the use of force. If you can get that consistent message out, whatever you have to do, if you've got to hide in the head of the Pope and wave a little flag, that seems to me a perfectly acceptable way uh, to do it. The problem is, of course, that if you're running for office, you are implicitly legitimizing a system that, at its fundamentals, is completely evil. That's why right, I'm not running for office. <laughs> myself, right, I, I mean, can't bring myself to do it. I couldn't live with myself that way. We're out of time, Stefan, but I'm sure we'll have you back. Well, thanks. I really, really appreciated the uh, chance. It was great to finally chat with you guys. Thank Thank you for coming on the show. We appreciate it. Hour number two is on the way. This is Free Talk Live. You take control. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at (laughs) amp.freetalklive.com. It's Free Talk Live. It's your show. You take control of the airwaves. Bring up whatever you want toll-free at 800-259-9231. That is the Sankel CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features there are completely free, so enjoy those on us. That again, freetalklive.com. Let's roll right into the phone calls. People have been waiting patiently as we started out hour number one with a guest. Let's go to, it is Mike in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live. Hey, Mike. Hey there, how you doing? Great, what's on your mind? Oh, I just, uh, I thought uh, Stefan there was great, although I, I do have to disagree about uh, using the state to control the state. Um, it's, uh, uh, even though I'm, I'm, I'm a bit cynical about it uh, today, I just still believe that uh, um, it's not a matter of the state controlling the state, is that it's a matter of um, using the state to limit the people who want to take away all our freedoms. The whole point of like a constitution is to say these are your rights. You can't go there. Yeah, it wasn't really my purpose to and we didn't really have enough time for it, but it wasn't my purpose to convert Stefan on that. I'm I'm sort of more leaning in his direction. I don't know how effective politics really is, but from what we've seen here in New Hampshire, unlike the rest of the country, um uh, because of all these liberty-oriented movers that have come in here, there actually does seem to have been an effect. We have okay. managed to stop uh some of the anti-freedom legislation that has come uh, come up for vote. Um we haven't stopped it all, but we also haven't had 20,000 people move here yet. So I think that there, there can be change made from inside the system. I think it's possible. I, I didn't get a chance to talk to Stefan um, as much as I would have liked to from the, you know, the counterpoint of minarchism or uh, whatever you might be, uh, might be calling it. But, you know, I, to some extent, I feel like people who, who occupy Ian's camp, not Ian, but a lot of people that occupy Ian's camp of uh, the, the no-government folks, they've given up completely on the political process and are therefore somewhat useless to the cause. I mean, maybe they might be good from a philosophical standpoint. They might be good to rally the troops. They might be good when it comes to writing articles. But when it comes out, um, comes to getting out there and getting things done, which, of course, I believe things need to be done politically, and obviously they don't. You know, they're, they're used to the liberty movement. I'm, I, I'm skeptical of. But I think that Stefan Molnu is a great writer. Yeah. yeah. Um, I also wanted to announce, um, that uh, you guys may have been following uh, my business in Second Life. Uh, we now have Ian Bernard Sim is now online. 
the Ian Sim? What yeah. what is that? Well, each each region in SL has is named for something, and so we've just brought a, a number of new Sims or regions online. Oh, okay. I thought a sim was a simulation, so this is a, a sim is another name for a plot of land in Second Life? For, well, a region or sim is 65,000 square meters. Okay. Okay. So each region or as a sim is, or simulator is, is a long term, is, is that area, and it has its own name. Oh, well, I'm, I'm honored. Thank you very much. So, so basically the sim can be subdivided and subsold into, you know, to other uh, businesses and people that want to build houses and that sort of thing in this Second Life, which is a, a virtual world that people can create things in. Right. That's right. Uh, we also want to get up uh, some of your uh, uh, promo ads and such to uh, have in the main intersection. And oh, very cool. Now, is the, uh, is the Ian Sim um, in, in close proximity to the Gimme Liberty bar? Uh, no, it's actually out to uh, the w- in our western expansion area. Sorens is where, where the Gimme Liberty Bar is on our uh, eastern shore. Well, thank you very much, uh, Mike. That's that's kind of exciting. I, I appreciate that. So you get your own little Ian land? Uh, yeah, apparently <laughs> so. You can buy a plot of me. Congratulations. Thanks for the Ian. call. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231. I haven't been in Second Life for a little while. Maybe I'll have to make a point of dropping in there one of these days. In case you don't know, it's been a while since I've been there too. Yeah, in case you don't know, it's it's this neat little computer simulation that people. It's not really a game. I don't think you could qualify it as that. There's no objective. Um, you just go in. You can chat with people. You can build stuff. You can shoot shoot guns. I mean, it, you can do anything in in Second Life. It's like an, an alternative life, and a lot of people really enjoy it. And there's a uh, there's a area called the Gimme Liberty Bar, which you can access at gimmeliberty.com, um, where a lot of our listeners go to, to to listen to the show because you can set it up to where there can be streaming media in the games. So you can listen to audio, you can watch video while you're in this simulation. And so a bunch of our uh, more digitally oriented listeners go into Second Life and sort of hang around in a like a virtual chat room basically and listen to free talk live it's pretty neat uh so just a just a couple more points on what he brought up about the the whole politics thing and you know i i didn't want to um i i really didn't want to we didn't have enough time to get into it but one of the other things i wanted to touch on was sort of the attitude the uh the elitist attitude of some of the people that i encountered over at stefan's uh forum and it's sort of this attitude like you know how mark sometimes i razz you for not being principled Mm mm-hmm I think that's one thing. I think it's one thing. Are they to, razzing you for not being principled? No, it, no. I think it's different. That'd be great. I, I think it's different <laughs> when you're razzing somebody and just you know prodding them and poking them about not being principled to going to the point of not associating with those people mm. to simply closing off your entire existence uh, to someone who is unprincipled. And I think there are there are there are at least a handful of people over there. They're very vocal, a very vocal handful mm-hmm. of people that um you know they they don't want to have anything to do with anyone who isn't a devout, 100% anarcho-capitalist voluntarist. And that seems kind of silly to me. Um, I understand, you know, it's one thing to poke around and make a little bit of fun of somebody for not being principled, but to, to not associate with them, to uh, to not speak to them, to uh, to not get involved in, you know, socializing with those people. I, they were calling me unprincipled because I sit in the same room with you, Mark, not necessarily because of my belief systems, <laughs> but because you're here. And, I mean, it's just the uh, snobbish uh, sort of elitist mentality doesn't do a damn thing to advance this movement. I mean, those people are the total sticks in the mud. That would be what I would call useless. 
Yeah, I mean, that's completely useless. And that's what I that's what I did. I called him out. I said, "Well, what are you doing for freedom? What sort of activism have you done recently?" And his answer, one of their answers was, uh, and this is by the way a former listener of ours, but he's become so principled he can't even listen to Free Talk Live now. Uh, <laughs> And I said, well, what have you been doing that's, uh, you know, so great for liberty? And he says, well, I've spent the last 18 months on the Internet learning about personal freedom. And I said, you know what? That's really important. I'm glad that you're doing that because personal freedom is important. And once you're done attaining your personal freedom, you maybe, you'll, and do something yeah, maybe you'll consider doing something. Well, you know, I, I the, the the way that people could, um, you know, the, the, the few the people that listen to this show that are anarcho-capitalists, and I know there's mm, 10% of people or so. I've, I've come up with that number on my own. I've just okay. decided what that is. Um, 10% or so of the listeners are probably in the camp of anarcho-capitalist. It's, think of the show this way. is It's training wheels for the rest of the world. I, um, you and I introduce concepts of liberty to them all at mm-hmm. the same time. And... I take a much more quote-unquote reasonable tack. But if you put my um, politics in front of anybody else's out there, my politics are radical. They are radical. I want to reduce the size of the federal government down to the point that it's so small you wouldn't know what to do with it. It's all I would want is, say, a standing army. I just want to argue about that. Um, I want the government to take care of roads because I don't want to argue with people about that. Basically, my um, you know my political philosophy is is more or less based on I don't want to argue those particular issues with people, so I'll give them government in that arena. Mm-hmm. And then you take a even more radical stance than I do. So it makes my very small government look entirely reasonable to right. reasonable people that listen. I mean, if you go on the bulletin board, people use the term reasonable and reason in regards to my extraordinarily fringe political beliefs. Yes. So people get introduced to concepts of liberty and freedom on this show – um, in a way that they wouldn't otherwise. So, you know, I, I suppose one can sit up on their high horse and call uh, call everybody minarchist scumbags or whatever they want, but you're, you know, there's you're, a lot more of minarchists out there than there are anarchists. That's and, and I think that's one of the great things about Free Talk Live is we are able to bring regular people into the fold of the, the liberty movement by the, the way the show is structured. And, you know, once you uh, become aware of principle and you start to understand it, then at that point, maybe you should start reading some Stefan Molyneux and go into the more philosophical sides right. of things. And I'm you not going to suggest that that's a, that's a um, line of evolution to the uh, end product. I don't believe that that's a line of evolution to the end product. I believe that you can take liberty to an extreme that makes it um, you know impractical and it won't work but you know that, that one could call that an evolution all i'm saying is keep learning and keep under keep learning and comprehending liberty but don't go to the point where you become this sort of anarcho-capitalist elitist like this these handful i think it's no more than a handful of people but it, they're very loud um, you know, you're not doing yourself any favors by ostracizing and alienating people that are on the same path as you once were. Don't forget about them. Just because they might be a little bit slower than you doesn't mean they should be left behind completely. More on the way. You can take control. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You bring up anything toll-free. 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features there are completely free, including the wiki. It's like the listener-editable version of our website. Head over to wiki.freetalklive.com, wiki.freetalklive.com, to see what that's all about. Do you know if your hard-earned wealth is at risk? If you have a business, there's a one in three chance you'll be named in a lawsuit in the next year. That lawsuit could destroy your business and leave you penniless. At keepyourassets.net, 
They're experts in sheltering what you've earned. Go to keepyourassets.net, like I have, and take their asset protection crash course today. That's keepyourassets.net. 800-259-9231. You take control of the airwaves to the amplifier line. And Rob in Georgia, you're on Free Talk Live, Rob. Hey, how's it going, guys? Great. What's on your mind? Well, I wanted to talk about what Stefan was talking uh, to Mark about as far as using the state to limit the state. Are you on a speakerphone? Uh, yeah, you want me to? If you could unspeaker the speakerphone, that would be just fantastic. How is that? That's uh, a lot better. That's better, much more crisp. Mucho. All right. Well, yeah, as far as using the state to limit the state, um, you know, and, and talking about how you're unprincipled for, I guess, sharing the same room as Mark. Breathing the uh, same air. I was, yeah, I was, I was reading that stuff, too. You know, matter of fact, I guess we're all unprincipled for sharing the same planet, so we should all move off-world, so let's build the spaceships. Right. Um, but... You know, I do agree with Stefan as far as you're not going to really be able to use the state to, to limit the state over any sort of long term because it's founded upon a false and criminal idea. Um, so I think that any sort of political means essentially comes down to rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic. However, that being said, if I were on the Titanic and rearranging deck chairs might actually be able to alleviate someone's suffering, I would probably still rearrange the deck chair. Now, if, if I could take your analogy one step farther, um, if, you know, of rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic, when the Titanic does go down, like our government, you'll be stuck in the icy cold water and drowned to death. You see, um, I, that's what I see out there. I see icy cold um, water where you drown to death without some kind of government to, um, you know, to at least hold the void, the way a hull of a ship holds the void of the water out. I can definitely understand that point of view. Um, it's, I mean, it is, it is a difficult thing. This is, we are entering into, as all people always are at all times, an unprecedented time. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Absolutely true. So, so we, we're definitely going to be dealing with some things that no people have dealt with before. Now, personally, I think that um, anarchy, if you want to call it that, is essentially inevitable. I think that the... Uh, I think that the nature of the state, the, the rapid flow of information, and the necessity for that rapid flow of information, if people are to actually be in any way prosperous and in some cases avoid starvation, really make, as a practical matter, a fairly high degree of an anarchic system, I think, pretty much inevitable. I, don't, I really don't think that there's any way in the long term to avoid that. I think that, and I, obviously I don't want to avoid it, I think that the main thing is, what happens on the way there? <laughs> do, you, do you feel like uh, that the, the political types are spinning their wheels, that they're really not going to have any results here in New Hampshire, or, or is it possible I would not to... I say that they, don't have, they, don't, they won't have any sort of result. I mean, one thing that we can definitely say about the state is that the nature of the state is that the state change warps, if you will, society in a way that other institutions do not. Um, it greatly affects... Um, popular thought, popular opinion, because it has to influence those things in order to make its own policy seem moral. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, people wouldn't support them. Right. So there is definitely, if you have a state which is saying, I guess you could say sort of the right things at the time when things do kind of collapse and the you know, stuff hits the fan, then you'll come out, I think, with a, in a much better situation than if... Uh, you know, if, you, if it went down kind of like the old Soviet Union did, or you know, I, I think that I think that there are better there are better ways out than that. But there are also worse ones. I mean, we've definitely seen quote unquote failed states where, which just descended into you know barbarism. So 
Uh, I think that there, you, there may be a place for the state. I'm really kind of undecided on that, honestly. I, I'm really of two minds regarding that, and I'm still kind of analyzing the problem. I, I personally I have no use for the state. I don't see any place for the state, and I'd like to get to a point where it's completely gone. But I don't oh, know I if I necess- <laughs> I don't know if I necessarily agree with Stefan that the only way to get there is you know to wait for it to implode upon itself. I mean, we all know that inevitably that's going to happen. It is the history, and and it's it's what happens to governments. It, they just they can't sustain themselves. Um, so that will happen over time, but I don't know if I want to get to that point. And, and if it is possible to somehow, you know, turn the Titanic back around and disassemble it entirely from the inside, if that's a possibility, I think it's worthy of being attempted. And I know that's what they're going to try to do here in New Hampshire, uh, the more political types. And, and I yeah. think, and I think, and I think there's going to be, and, and we've talked about this before on the show, how you know the the non-state movement or the you know the anarchists, for instance, are going to be able to work hand-in-hand hand, to some extent uh, with the uh, the minarchists because you're going to have the civil disobedience crowd out there that's just going to say, you know what, screw this, uh, screw all these laws we're not going to obey, which of course, course is going to hopefully promote the political people into removing those laws, you know, by bringing attention to them, and that would make, you know, a slightly better world for everyone over time, and I think that as we continue to spread the message of liberty and, and help people understand that the state is violence, that the government is force, and that force isn't a very nice thing to use on your neighbors, you know, as people start to, to come to understand that, whether it be through just, you know, talking to someone on the internet or actually having candidates espousing that viewpoint, uh, you know, obviously the more people that understand that, the less people will believe in the state and the closer we are to being able to eliminate it from our lives mm-hmm. entirely. However that will come about, I think it's going to be a combination of different efforts. I personally don't want to sit back and wait for it to implode upon itself. You know, what concerns me is that uh, with freedom comes responsibility. And over the last 50 to 75 years in this country, a lot of the responsibility in the fabric of our society has been kind of um, weeded out or, mm. or, or bred out. And so yeah, it's, we, been co-opted, it's been co-opted by the state, and um, you know, and it's kind of made into this, uh, you know, all everything that's supposed to be done essentially becomes this sort of societal responsibility. And uh, you know, if it's everyone's responsibility, it's no one's responsibility. Mm. Right, that's right. You're right, Wayne. I the think that's one, the commons. I think that's one of the biggest hurdles we're going to face is all those people who've come to depend on the state, who have allowed the mm-hmm. state to assume responsibility for their lives, to try to to get them to understand that they don't need that, that that's not something that's helping them. W- whether it be taking care of the poor or all the things now that people think education, the, education that people think the government's supposed to take care of, a uh, hundred years ago were done very, uh, very much better by the the, the private. Uh, sector in the free market far more efficiently without all the waste it's a it's a total paradigm shift that we're looking for in the american population and i think it's sort of folly to uh, to ignore the path of politics because it, there's just simply so much attention and legitimacy granted towards it uh if we just completely shut it off and say we're not participating in that because we're too good for it then i think we're alienating a, a, a large potential audience of people that are are clamoring to hear something different look at the response to ron paul yeah. uh there are people out there that are getting very excited well he will he win i don't know does it matter if he wins well you know at least if he loses there are still going to be a bunch of people that got to hear the liberty message perhaps for the very first time and i mean how an anarcho-capitalist could look at that and say that's a bad thing i don't understand yeah i mean well I, definitely, I definitely think that it is good to hear his message and uh uh as far as the things that i agree with so i'm definitely glad to hear that very good rob thanks for the call we appreciate hearing from you and inevitably um if ron paul fails 
and does not uh, elect it, inevitably there's going to be a lot of political burnout out there, and that's something else that we can capitalize off of and say, look, see, see how futile this is? Let's secede. Screw this federal government. More on the way, 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features there are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Uh, And that does include archives and entire year's worth of the show for your downloaded convenience. Just go and get them for free at freetalklive.com. Pop quiz. What do Washington politics and libertarianism have in common? Yeah. Very little. The Prometheus Institute at ReadPI.com is looking to make a real impact in Washington, not in 40 years, but right now. To find out what makes the Prometheus Institute different from all of the other flat-water political think tanks, visit ReadPI.com. As we continue with the phone calls, let's go to Ron in New York. Ron, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey there. Good evening, gentlemen. What's on your mind? Hey, gentlemen, speaking about um, national government, uh, this evening uh, the House of Representatives polled probably a very political, what is a political dirty trick. Hmm. They passed a piece of legislation uh, which has been retitled. It was done over the weekend in a backroom deal with John Dingell and uh, members of the NRA and I guess some other concerned members in the House. And it was formally H.R. 297, uh, which was introduced earlier this year, but there was a tremendous outcry against the bill. So they actually repackaged the same bill, with microscopic difference, and uh, it's called 2640. What is it? And the, yes, H.R. 2640. I, I don't care about the numbers. What is it? Oh, sh- Okay, sure. H.R. 2640 is on the face of it, but it, believe me, the, the devil is in the details of that bill. deals with compelling the states through economic pressure to report things to the National Instant Check System, which is the system that's utilized before someone purchases a firearm. Okay. Okay. They want the states to report information uh, as it relates to certain categories of crime, in particular what is defined or what they refer to as a misdemeanor crime of domestic violence, and mental hygiene or mental health records. Now, the problem with it is the details in that bill require that the state reports offenses that are so trivial and so petty that they do not rise to the level of disabling uh, under the laws of those states, and they would also require that any contact, whether it actually resulted in what we would call formal adjudication of mental defect, mm-hmm. uh, in which someone is afforded due process, and by that I mean uh, the, an attorney, the right to present witnesses, challenge witnesses that are against you, and so forth, even in hearings that you might call referred to as kangaroo court-type hearings, that information now has to be digitized or electronicized, however you'd like to refer to it as, and reported to the FBI database at NICS. Now, this thing was done in a bum rush, on a fast track, and in a dark corner, 
and with the collaboration of the NRA. So you're telling me that, you know, this is like a response to the Virginia Tech shooting, for instance. Yes, you're sir. saying that That's they're correct, going to yes. make it so that even the most innocuous of so-called mental health uh, mental health issues will now have to be reported to the federal yes. government? Yes, that's correct. Can you give me an example correct. of one of sure. these innocuous sure. things? Sure, I'll give you an example. If you look at the text of the bill, it not only requires courts, with, which, okay, we understand that a court is a very formal legal setting, but it would also require any other state agency to report any situations like this. So you could have, and this is just one of many examples, I don't want to limit it to this, you could have a employee's assistance programs now reporting things mm. about its employees, maybe who went and got some treatment for minor depression, uh, uh, marital problem, whatever. You're case, right. Maybe. What about marital counseling? I mean, I think just yes, a, yes, sir. a, a yes. great deal yes. of couples go to um, a psychologist before they get married mm -hmm. in order to see, do you think this is going to work? And yes. uh, would that be considered some kind of mental health problem? Yes, gentlemen, particularly if, as I said, and I use the employee's assistance program as one probably fine example, but there are probably several others as well. Uh, would fall into that category. And so then then these things would show up when they run a background check for you to go and yes. purchase a firearm, yes. thereby denying you the access to the firearm. That is correct, gentlemen. Oh, my. And, and not only that, but I also want you to understand that when the other aspect of the law, which deals with something that is so-called misdemeanor crimes of domestic violence, even if you have an offense which is so trivial, and I emphasize trivial, my friend, mm -hmm. maybe yelling at somebody, merely pushing and causing no injury to somebody. Right. doesn't matter if it happened 25 years ago, okay? That offense, even though states do not report that to Washington because under the, the laws of the state they do not, do not consider that an offense that should disqualify you from owning a firearm, sure. the federal government now wants to, I believe the word is, subsume that information and then use that also as a basis. So to and get all the old information, to sort of grandfather in all of the old statistics and information. Well, not just system. old, even anything uh, that's old or ongoing, if, if the event happens today or if it happened 20 years ago. And this was done and, with the com uh, complicity of the NRA. Once again, yes, the NRA sir. selling yes. gun owners down the river. Gentlemen, you know, I like to say this, and I, I, I think there's probably some portion of your audience who may be involved with the NRA, and I'll confess, sir, that I am a life member of the NRA mm. and have been a member of that organization for more than 30 years. But the organization, in more recent times, and I would say somewhere between five and ten years in the history of that organization, has become, it has, it has had its gates seized, That's right, and it has become a false opposition organization. Yeah, it's become infiltrated. It, yes, and it, it's infiltrated by people who are political and actual, in some cases, entertainment luminaries, its executive board does not even remotely resemble its rank-and-file members, and the organization no longer represents your interests. The NRA yeah. has been the prime mover in this in a back room with uh, John Dingell. Uh, I happen to be familiar with this man for many, many yeah, years. I could care less. Another politician. Yeah. but yeah. Yeah, You, you betcha with a capital P. You know, I you know, um, here, hold on. I want, I want to jump in. The... Um, when when you think about these things, I mean, it, it's on its surface it sounds oh um, good. That's let's right. Keep, let's keep guns gentlemen, out of the hands right. of uh, wife beaters and uh, crazy right, people. But when you start talking about uh, domestic disputes, a lot of people out there have had domestic disputes, yep. even where the cops have been right. called, or, and, or, and and that's ridiculous to keep. I'm them sorry, out. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Or even as I said, uh, an employee who let's say works for whatever the, the New Hampshire Highway Department, whatever it may be, you pick the agency. 
and they go to an employee's assistance program because they're having a little depression about whatever, death of a child, problem with a marriage, a little financial trouble, you name it. That now is put into the category. In other words, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but they took the Cho incident, they made it the spearhead, the facade, the poster, mm-hmm. all right? I think the term is a canard. And yeah. they used that canard, and they put all kinds of other intricate negative aspects in the detail of the legislation, and they sailed it through, trying to harmonize everything with Cho. In other words, anyone who has a domestic problem, as you've just said, he equals an evil person like Cho. Anyone who sought any type of help, automatically he's as dangerous as a Cho. Well, now, you know, I, but, 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 um, the the thing that I wanted to, to point out on this is um, it sounds good on its surface, like keeping the right. guns out of hands of felons and that kind of thing, but I'll tell you, that's not really fair when it comes down to it. I'm a convicted felon. I spent nine years in prison for murder, and, well... I didn't do it, but that's beside the point. As far as the state's concerned, I did. And I've done my time, and I've been out for almost 10 years now. Shouldn't I be able to defend my family? I mean, do, do I have to? Am I relegated to a life yeah. of second, second-class citizen where Apparently you a, are. a burglar can come into the house and, uh, in my house and rape and my wife in front of me because I don't have, I'm not allowed to have a gun because I've been disarmed by the government? In the past. Uh, you know, it's, it's ironic you should mention that because I don't want to digress too far, but I'm just going to address that point. Do you, I bet you gentlemen, you gentlemen, very intelligent men, do you remember a very memorable photograph of Malcolm X with an M1 carbine rifle in his hand after you know, his house had been firebombed? I don't think it's I've ever seen it. No. Yeah, yes, yes, it's a very famous photograph. And he, he was a convicted felon, around too. The world. Well, he was a convicted felon, but in 1965, you know, which isn't really ancient history, it's within my lifetime, mm-hmm. there was no prohibition against a convicted felon under federal law, mm. and for that matter, under the laws of most states, uh, from having at least a long gun. Well, that's the way it needs to go back right. to, and it seems to me the NRA is completely helpless and hopeless. I think that gun owners really need to look Sorry, at uh, the gun owners of America. We're out of time, but Please. thank you for the call. Appreciate it. 800-259-9231. From, I mean, I don't know a lot about these organizations, but just the, the, the impression that I get tells me that they're a lot more pro-freedom oriented in regards to guns. Gun owners of America, and I believe the Jews for Preservation of Firearm Ownership are pretty good on that as uh, good on gun freedom as well. 800-259-9231. This is your show. You take control. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free. 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Bark. Bark. Well, I said, I You're sick. Bark? It's yes, right. I'm sorry. <laughs> He's got a stuffy nose. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Join us online, freetalklive.com. You like the show? You want to help support us? Then you should buy some stuff at store.freetalklive.com. The Free Talk Live multi gadget. I really need to check in to see how many of those we have left to sell because we only ordered a hundred of them, um, and I know that the, we were well over fifty percent a few weeks ago. So. Uh, they're limited edition. They are two gigabytes mul- uh, MP3 player, two gigabyte flash drive, also a voice recorder and an FM tuner, all rolled into one little neat device with our logo on it. There's that. There's a variety of Free Talk Live uh, clothing, like the brand new Free Talk Live ladies T-shirt, two different types of hoodies, the Free Talk Live beanie cap, the new version of that, and the Free Talk Live lighter bottle opener combo. Get all that and more, including the Free Marketeer T-shirt and all of our older items at store.freetalklive.com. Great way to support the show and get some cool stuff store.freetalklive.com call still there we go to the phones let's talk to it is cj in oklahoma you're on free talk live hey cj good evening fellas what's on your mind 
Well, first I want to start off by saying that I also spent a short period of time on uh, Stefan Molyneux's board before I came over here to the Free Talk Live VBS. Oh, and, so uh, you came to Free Talk Live after Stefan's forum. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I found him first. I found his podcast before I found Free Talk Live. Interesting. And I, and I was interested in his show, but I kind of ran into the same situation you did. It wasn't the uh, warmest reception in the world, and and, and uh, I got a lot more enjoyment out of you guys' boards. And I also spent some time over at Dan Carlin's boards. He's a nice guy. Great. So uh, anyway, my big thing was I'm working on a speech for class tomorrow about the Free State Project, and I had a question or two for you guys. Okay, okay. sure. You get to help me with my homework tonight. Hey, we, um, we, we need a byline. Uh, <laughs> oh, you'll get one. You okay. guys will be, you guys will be part of my source. they, they got to mention it. He's got to credit us. Gotcha. Yes, yes. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm doing a forum speech about activism opportunities within the Free State. Mm-hmm. And I've got, you know, the protests and civil disobedience stuff, kind of like, um, you know, the stuff you guys, they've done about the IRS and things like that. Right. Uh, lobbying at the House. Right. Uh, ballot box efforts. Mm-hmm. And media, like media. you guys. Right. Yeah. And, and I know generally about three of the four things, but I'm not really sure about what's going on in the free state with the ballot box. You guys don't, I don't hear about it too much. What's the um, ballot box? What Voting? Well, uh, People uh, free, tr- trying to get free staters elected to office, and also I don't, you know, I don't know how New Hampshire's referendum process is set up. Um, I, I checked into a local referendum. I wanted to see what it would be, uh, what it would take in order to uh, get a, uh, you know, a, a skillfully worded uh, referendum in front of the voters here in Keene that would say that uh, Keene can't take away. Uh, a person's house for not taking for not paying their property taxes, you know, and uh, playing on the old woman in poverty uh, angle, if I could. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, in in that particular case, in Keene's case, um, and I think that it differs from city to city, um, you have to bring it before the city council, and they approve your referendum or disapprove it. Mm, and I think it's different. So in, it doesn't in, go to a direct vote of the people at all. Not sh- I don't think so. I think it's different in, in towns, though, as well, because Keene is technically a city, whereas there, right. I think the rules are different no, in towns. No, d- there's no technicality when it comes to city. City is simply a name that they adopted. I don't think you're right about that. No, no there is nothing. Um, look, uh, we, you and I looked on, on Wikipedia. The largest, um, the, the largest town is 26,000 people. The smallest city is 2,600 or something like that. Yeah, but there's city, some sort of different municipal organization when it comes to the city versus a town. That's as I understand it. I'm I, not I believe that you're you mistaken. I'm not sure, and you're not sure, and so anyway. But in regards to well, other, I sound sure. In regards to other electoral situations, of course, as you may be aware, the very first Free State Project member um, to be elected to the State House was elected in 2006. Who was he? Uh, Joel Winters is his name. If you go to nhfree.com and Google his name, you'll probably find a variety of different okay. uh, threads. So that's that's a nice success, and the reason why there's not more of that going on is simply because the early movers are just now getting to the point where they've been here for two years, two years and, yeah. and they have to be here for two years before they can run for state house. Though right, it's, not... it's always going to be the slowest of the four processes, just right. by, by its nature. That's correct. But I was just wondering, you know, I, I knew that you guys had had somebody elected to office, and I knew that that was something that I needed to talk about as something that's been successful with the Free State Project, but I wasn't sure... Who he was and, and where and, and if there was anyone else. We we also would have had several more had had the uh, Republicans not been swept from office out of the anger over the Iraq War. We right. had quite a few Republicans who would have won because because they ran as Republicans. And Joel, Joel Winters ran as a Democrat. Correct. Right. Okay. So that's right. So he. Were won. there also not? There's also been some elected like school board and things like that, haven't there? 
There have. Uh, I don't. I think Don Lincoln is one of them. I'm not sure about the others. Uh, but yes, there have been some early successes, and inevitably we're going to see more. Um, and also, we're going to be running some candidates here in Keene, where we do the show from, for uh, for city office, which mm-hmm. you don't need to be here two years for. You can just establish residency and and run. So is we're going to be Julia going to be on the ballot. Julia is going to probably be the first candidate on the ballot. I'm still um, up in the air as to whether or not I'm going to be running locally. It it, it sort of has to do with uh, where I'm going to live. I've Got a piece of property I'm looking at that's uh, in the city right next to Keene, if you can call such a thing a city. I, I have to tell Mark, uh, I will be giving you, uh, the Keene Weekly uh, News will be getting a, a YouTube plug in my <laughs> speech, because uh, I, I really have enjoyed Mark's show since he's started it. I know like he's that gotten awful some, thing? I know he's gotten some flack for it, but I, I get endless enjoyment out of it. Okay. And, uh, and, and it, it, the show does get better each time you do it. Okay, great. And people can watch that, by the way, at freekeen.com. If you want to go and see Mark's television show, it's right there, uh, available via YouTube, freekeen.com. CJ, any get, other questions? I don't get the same joy out of doing the, the, the TV show that I do out of doing the you radio You were thinking show. about throwing in the towel, too. I, I, I'm still, you know, on the fence on it. I, I feel like I've gotten the uh, the comfort level in front of a camera that I'm going to get out of it, and I'm just sick of doing the show prep, reading the local people uh, newspaper need to t- all, all it's going to take week. to get Mark to keep doing it is for people to tell him they like it. Yeah, I, 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 I do respond you, to I know, I know know when you first started you got some real flack from some people on it and and it was real it was it's still rough around the edge of some but i really just it's good to have somebody doing that i know that it the the free minds tv guys do their thing well mm-hmm. it's another activist opportunity really because right. as i pointed right. out i don't know if it was publicly or not but i pointed out that hey i'm the guy doing the behind the scenes stuff on the show and there's uh, there's this thread on our forum at bbs.freetalklive.com where everyone's saying you need more lights you need this you need you need two cameras you apparently need they don't understand that we're doing this in a closet on a shoestring. I well, mean, <laughs> well, you know, you can do all those things. You can do all those things. They've all been done on Free Minds TV, for instance, but they've got a bigger crew. It's, mm-hmm. you know, five people behind the scenes instead of just me and uh, Julia from time to time. And, and my suggestion was, hey, you want to see changes made to Mark's show? Come on here. Yeah, move, move to, to New Keen. Hampshire. Can, uh, can I suggest the, something? Yes. Uh, I know that something that's made Free Minds TV a lot more uh, entertaining over time is interviews. And I know that I, I, even just doing, uh, you know, I, I don't know how difficult it would be for you to get somebody on there to do an interview. Well, it would be pretty easy, but uh, it's it's more show prep. It's the opportunity for that person not to show up, mm-hmm. right. and uh, which has happened to me more than once on radio shows. And and um, you know, it wasn't the concept of the yeah. story uh, of the idea originally. The originally the concept is essentially like Rush Limbaugh's TV show, which was I think right. it, was, it was an hour or a half hour of all the news you. <laughs> you <know. laughs> with half my brain died behind my back, I can tell you everything you need to <laughs> know about politics. CJ, good luck with your speech. Thanks for the call. We appreciate hearing from you. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Tom in New Hampshire, you're on Free Talk Live. Uh, yeah, speaking of uh, political opportunities, though, let me tell you that uh, I converted to libertarian uh, when I met the libertarian candidate for Congress at the candidate's debate. Uh, you know, I attended one of the very few registered voters in that county in North Carolina and actually bothered to show up for the candidate's debate. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I had a chance to chat with the libertarian candidate, and I realized, hey, you know, as long as we eliminate a whole bunch, of, a set of problems, then, yeah, then uh, I can see their point. You know, I mean, it's the whole uh, concept, which takes some time to explain. But, yeah, uh, there is 
the opportunity there from within the, the political process. The other thing that uh, I was, I've been told, I'm, I don't know if anybody in the Free State Project can confirm this, but they were deciding between Montana or New Hampshire. There were 10 they were states, looking at, actually. Yeah, but they were looking at, when they got it down to between Montana and New Hampshire, the deciding factor was that back in 2000, there was some guy from Nashua that got himself elected to the New Hampshire legislature when he supported liberty and he thinks logically, and he, all he had to do was plant some campaign signs in some high-visibility locations and then spend the 14 hours that the polls were open smiling and waving to all these idiots on Election Day, and they, they waddled on into the polls. Let's see now, President, Governor, uh, State Representative, I don't know anything about... Oh, this one smiled and waved to me out front. Let me vote for this one. And they they elected the guy, and the free staters figure, well, if he can get elected to the New Hampshire House of Representatives, <laughs> then, I mean, let's face it, anybody can. So it that's was the all you, we Tom, all because of you that the New Hampshire and that New Hampshire was chosen. Thanks for the call. Uh, you know, I think he absolutely points out a great, great point, which is um, in politics, anywhere is a personal business. And in New Hampshire, where you only represent, say, 600 people, you can actually meet them all. Yep, it's true. And, you know, he's right. If Tom in New Hampshire can get elected, hey, so can you. 800-259-9231. Hour 3 is on the way. Border corruption, whatever you want to talk about. This is Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into hour number three, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, by the way, 1-800-259-9231. Join us online, freetalklive.com, the place to go. All of the features there are completely free, so enjoy those on us. That is freetalklive.com. Rolling right into the phone calls. This is the show about your calls. Let's talk to Mike in Illinois on the Amplifier line. Hey, Mike. Hey, guys, I had a, uh, some questions about the idea of a private justice system with a private uh, uh, law enforcement. Okay. Um, I, like, I like market justice and market law enforcement. It sounds a little bit better to me, but go okay. ahead. Yeah, that sounds better. That's kind of continuation from the other night, but um, I want to like kind of throw a hypothetical. I have a question oh, about boy. who specifically would carry out or how a private or a market law enforcement would actually carry out like an arbitrator's decision like let's say let's say ian you hire me to install a satellite dish on your house and we agree that you're going to pay me five hundred dollars to do it we agree on an arbitrator but let's say i just you just plain don't pay me or mm-hmm. way around and the arbitrator even says yeah you owe it but i just don't i just plain you just don't plain pay me Okay. Well, there could be um, some interlocking agreements between the arbitrators and, you know, since the arbitrators by in the marketplace have gotten to the point where they are because they've been coming up with reasonable um, results and, and reasonable um, 
findings in, in the cases, then a lot of people are going to have a lot of respect for what they have to say, including your employer. So if you work for somebody, for instance, and you aren't paying the uh, the fee as the arbitrator um, has asked you to do or, or ordered you to do, however you want to call it, then they could simply go to your employer and say, hey, you know, so-and-so hasn't been uh, hasn't been paying this fee, and, you know, we would like to uh, to go ahead and, you know, make a deal with them at some at some level to basically dock your wages in the same way that the government does today. Okay. Let's say in that case, though, I mean, what authority does, does they have over somebody else's em- employer who... I'm, it, wouldn't be an, it wouldn't be authority necessarily, but it would simply be that, you know, you're a bad guy and you aren't uh, going with what your agreements have been. And your agreement was that you would heed the, uh, the ruling of the private arbitrator in that particular case, and you have not done that. And so in that case, you know, they would simply be asking your employer for, uh, for their assistance in that particular area. It uh, would be one way for them to help you out, get, uh, get your reputation back, at least to some extent, because you're also going to have your reputation damaged by the fact that you aren't doing what you said you would you were going to do and that's not somebody that people are going to want to employ in the future i mean so there's already a, there are already going to be plenty of built-in incentives that are going to make you want to pay it because if you don't pay then uh you're going to be hurt a, lo- a lot in the long run because uh, no one will want to do business with you okay i i yeah i guess that makes sense i guess my question is who like let, let's say the employer doesn't want to pay, play ball at that point, and I understand that you have an incentive to please your employer, and you don't want your employer to be mad at you because you're not holding up your obligations. But I guess that the, a private or a market law enforcement. I mean, how would how would they go about physically enforcing something that's not happening? Like, like a, like the police today would come and I don't know seize seize five hundred dollars on my property to give it to. Who I owe it to. Well, you, you know, it would de- or- I absolutely see what you're saying. It would depend on the agreement that you had signed. I mean, if the agreement yeah. said that you were going to agree to what the arbitrator decided, and the arbitrator decided that, well, you know, Mike, you're kind of a scummy guy, and you need to pay this this person back to to bring your reputation back into a, at least a semi uh, close to where it used to be, and you aren't doing that sort of thing, then then you've already agreed to the penalty, whatever that is. If that penalty okay. is that you must be picked up and put into a uh, you know a work camp until you can pay it off then that'll be what happens and and part of how that'll be paid for is insurance and contract insurance you know when you originally signed that agreement with the uh, the direct tv installer there was some sort of contract insurer involved because that's what people will want to do they'll want to ensure that their contracts are honored to where then the direct tv installer has his insurer pay the costs for him, as far as what you owed him, um, the insurer will pay him. So he's okay. At that point, then it's the insurer that's going after you to make themselves whole. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. What made the most sense about what you just said is that the actual punishment for not abiding by the arbitrator's decision would already be agreed to. Like, you have to take me to jail or, or whatever the agreement was. So yeah. that, makes, that makes sense. And and again, you know, the the trickiest part about market justice is when there isn't necessarily an explicit contract out there. That's really the trickiest part of, of, right. of trying to grasp, and I myself am, am still working on that. But, you know, the fact is there would be so many different interlocking agreements, and one of the other reasons why your employer might want to work with the, uh, the arbitration agency is because the employer wouldn't want its reputation damaged. Because it's, you know, it doesn't want to be seen as a, a, a scummy sort of uh, employer or a scummy business, and they could have their reputation 
reputation take a hit if they were helping protect somebody with low reputation. So, you know, there's all kinds of there, – there would be this sort of interlocking system that the market would naturally develop that uh, would make it very, very – unlikely that someone would not want to follow or that someone would not follow the uh, suggestions of the arbitrator. Or at least they'd follow follow a justice system more than they would today. So that yeah, sense. it's not perfect. You're right. It's right. not a perfect right. system, but damn, it sure is better than a politically motivated, uh, unaccountable court, which is what we have today. Yeah, this, these, these ideas about the market justice, are, I, th- I find them fascinating, as I think you do, too. They're interesting to kick around. <laughs> well, I recommend The Market for Liberty. It's a great book. Uh, sure. You can purchase it at uh, Laissez-Faire Books. I don't know if Amazon has it, um, but look around for it. Morris and Linda Tannehill are the writers, and it's got a lot of these ideas, and they've managed to they managed to flesh out these ideas in the 1970s, you know, when they didn't have the, the Internet and all this these easy ways of sharing information that we currently do today. So, if anything, all of these systems are more implementable today than they ever were in the past, but they even came up with these ideas 30, 40 years ago. So, I mean, this could have been done back then. It can be done even even more effectively today with uh, with open information that we have. Uh, thank you for the call. We appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. Ian shares his fantasy world. Well, you know what? I think it's a darn good idea. Um, getting justice out of the hands of uh, the monopolists. Getting justice out of the hands of the state. I mean, they do an awful job of it today. I wouldn't I wouldn't dispute that. It's inconsistent. I mean, the Paris Hilton case is a perfect example of how unfair the justice system is. You know, um, it, it, it certainly is. Uh, she... You know, she was released as a little rich girl, and then the judge, uh, you know, manages to get his name back in the newspaper by throwing her back in, and it's just a disaster. Right. I mean, there's no, I mean, there's no consistency. People want that. They're saying, you know, well, Paris should have to spend the same amount of time in jail that any of the rest of us should spend, but it doesn't pan out that way. You know, it, it just doesn't. Everybody knows that people with more money get more justice. Well, now in the she's likely system. to spend more time in than you and I would, because we probably would re- be released on uh, you know good behavior after say doing half the time or some number like that. She's likely at this point to have to do every single day of her entire forty-five day sentence, which, by the way, I can hmm. do sitting in the bathroom. Right, for them just to prove that they're not uh, showing favoritism. Right, so she's pr- probably going to be punished more um, for being the celebrity that she is. At this point, that otherwise. could be the case. But but to, but to she be did fair, act stupidly in the the whole process. But to be fair, she won't be punished in the same way because even if she is, even if she does to stay there for forty something days or whatever the the sentence is, and I haven't been following it closely, so I may have that wrong. I did see one statistic that said that she's being kept in the medical ward. Where it costs a thousand dollars a day for prisoners to be kept compared to the general population, where it well, costs a hundred dollars a day. So there's no doubt that even if she's there for a longer period of time, they're giving her special treatment. I mean, there's no doubt about that. And you know, I've I've had plenty of uh, you know, having been in uh, jails and prisons for quite some time, um, I've had plenty of people tell me that they'd much rather do time in the. Uh, um, you know, if, if they're in county jail in the medical section rather than in the uh, regular inmate population, because you know there's a TV there where even if it doesn't have most uh, county jails, at least uh, in Florida, they don't have uh, you know cable channels or anything like that. They right. have the sort of closed circuit cable, which people just shortcut shortcut and call cable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but the, whatever they get to watch, whether it's educational television or not, they get to do it without people screaming at the top of their lungs all day, <laughs> all hours of day and night. They get Throwing to do it. Things. They get to do it without being in danger, which I, I felt when I was in county jail, I felt like I was in danger 
a great deal of the time. They, ha- yeah. they get to do it without feeling endangered constantly. They get to do. Um, they have a much more comfortable bed. Uh, the food's uh, at least brought to you and probably better. Do you get conjugal visits too? I'm afraid there's been. I've never. I've never heard of a con- conjugal visit. So government justice sucks. Let's start thinking of alternatives. And I think that the marketplace is that alternative, and it can do it better. It can do it cheaper. It can do it fairer. 800-259-9231. The border. Another thing that shouldn't be left to the government. Three Talk Live. The show is Free Talk Live. It is your show. You take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online, freetalklive.com. All the features there are completely free, so enjoy those on us, including the Shrine of Female listeners, dozens and dozens of ladies who sent us their validated photo to prove they listened to the show. See what I mean by heading over to shrine.freetalklive.com. That is Shrine. FreeTalkLive.com, and wouldn't it be great to have an ex-narcotics officer be your personal coach to keep you from getting busted with marijuana? Go to NeverGetBusted.com to view clips of the recently released DVD that's gained world attention. That's NeverGetBusted.com. Speaking of getting busted, three National Guardsmen, according to the AP, have been assigned, or who were assigned to the Texas-Mexico border, were accused of running an immigrant smuggling ring after 24 immigrants were found inside a van that one of them was driving, the U.S. attorney said on Monday. Now, in many cases, when you're dealing with Border Patrol and, you know, the people down at the border, they usually just get paid off to look the other way. That would make the most sense to me, but it sounds like somebody... uh you know, got a little greedy. Not only did they want to um, have the, uh, they want to get the cash for getting, for allowing them across the border. They wanted to get the cash for taking them across the yep. border. So, because border, the border guards uh, that would allow it to happen would only get a small cut, I would imagine. Exactly. Um, they wanted it all. The people that uh, did the transporting would get the remainder of it. Yep. The three. And they wanted it all. They were arrested uh, last week. Were arraigned Monday on federal charges of consp- uh, conspiring to transport illegal immigrants. PFC Jose Rodrigo Torres, uh, Julio Cesar. Pachecho uh, and Saint Clar- Sergeant Clarence Hodge were all arrested near Laredo. A Border Patrol agent found 24 immigrants inside the van that was about 65 miles or 68 miles north of the border. One of the guys was in uniform at the time of his arrest. The van was leased by the National Guard, so actually using your tax dollars, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> using the government vehicle to transport these uh, these immigrants. Sounds expensive. You know, there's a simple solution. You just tell the Mexican government that we're going to stop giving them hundreds of billions of dollars of foreign aid if, if any more of their people come over here. Oh, that's not going to do anything, Wayne. What is that going to do? <laughs> cut off their money. Well, that's, we should just cut off foreign aid to every, um, well, well, you're every right. country. Well, you're right, but, but it's expensive when you have all those border guards there, and you're going to build a fence, and you're going to do all these things, and you're going to create a whole new bureaucracy to supposedly keep these people out. They just want better life for themselves and their yep. families. That's what and, they want. And, you know, since 2001 with this big real estate boom, I've known construction people, you know, Americans, who weren't hurting for work at all. And I think that there were a lot of jobs created for illegals. There was a big demand for labor because there were all these houses they were putting up everywhere. Mm-hmm. And and now that that's over, I think there's less demand for these people to, to pour over the borders as well. Oh, I don't know. There's always a job available, and uh, you know what? They they want them, so but they should have a shot. Yeah, not at twelve bucks an hour, fifteen dollars an hour with with no paperwork. Well, though. that's true. When demand goes down, um, then price is going to go down. Um, so it may, it may very well be true that illegals would be working for less. But I I think it's just entirely unfair to. Uh, 
you know, brand them with a the title of illegal and turn them into indentured servants for whatever employer they I like have. a phrase that I saw the other day on the uh, New Hampshire Free Forum, nhfree.com, and that is that no human is illegal. You're yeah. a human being. You can't be illegal. You know, illegal is a uh, status. It's some sort of man-made concept. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's law, words written on paper. Anyway, let's continue with the story here. The van was leased by the National Guard, according to the Department of Homeland Security. Prosecutors accused Hodge of helping Torres pass through a Border Patrol checkpoint on the highway by making it look like the two were conducting guard business. Pacheco was accused of recruiting soldiers to transport the migrants for 1000 to $3,500 a trip. He and Hodge were arrested last week. All three soldiers are assigned to border duties as part of Operation Jumpstart. President Bush's initiative to place guard troops at the border to help local and federal authorities with immigration enforcement. All of the soldiers are volunteers. Now, what did we tell you when this idea was first floated? The idea of, let's put more people on the border. What did we say would happen? More people to be bought off. Exactly. And this is just the tip of the iceberg. They've only caught three guys. And all, you know, all three of these guys were utilizing their position of authority and power, utilizing the tools at their disposal, which taxpayers paid for, in order to move people across the border, so-called illegally. This is just one example of something that is going on all over the place. And the more people you put at the border, the more likely cases like this are going to occur. And there's only so many of them that will ever get caught because, again, if you're higher up in the ranks, you're less likely to be investigated. You're more uh, isolated from being caught at the things that you do because you've been doing it for longer. You're better at it. You're more well-connected. They're never going to catch. I mean, these were just a pri- uh, private first classes and sergeants, little guys. What about the, uh, the upper echelon? What are they doing? What sort of payoffs are they taking? What's the, you know, again, if this is the tip of the iceberg... I bet you the upper echelons probably aren't getting um, that much money. I wouldn't think so. It all depends, Mark. It uh, does who depend. knows what sort of backdoor, behind-the-scene things are going on. Here's a little more on the case. All three soldiers, again, assigned to the border. Uh, they are volunteers. The three soldiers used cell phone text messaging to negotiate the details, price, and number of people who would be smuggled north, according to a complaint filed in court on Monday. Uh, bad idea. If you're going to be smuggling anything... Try not to actually, you know, unless you're encrypting your messages, try not to utilize text messaging. Try not to utilize something unencrypted like that. Be a little more careful. Tell them I'll only do one run at no more than 20 people at 150 a person, and I want two leave at 1930 hours, and I'll go to San Antone if they want. 150? Torres typed to Hodge hours before Torres was arrested, according to the complaint. A message later that day from Sergeant Pacheco instructed Torres that a trip was a go with a promised payment of $3,500 for the delivery of 24 illegal immigrants, the document said. Now, that's chump change. You know, uh, to, to pack 24 people in the back of a van, if there were 24 pounds of marijuana in the back of that van, they'd be doing a lot better than $3,500. Look at what they're doing well, for that sort of money. That's nothing. Now, he said, um, he was saying, he was quoting a price, and it sounded like, like his price for what he was going to do. And it's likely he was part of another organization. These people had to pay more than just $150 to get across the border, is what it sounds like to me. Right. Um, they are transporting what, his, them for his leg or whatever. It's 1000 to 35 hundred a trip per person so yes you're right that was a delivery fee um you're correct about that but nonetheless um you know this isn't a lot of money that's in play here right. but it's enough to get these people on board to you know to not do what they're being paid to do and that is guard the border 
24 will be tough to fit, but I'll try, Torres wrote in response. The complaint said Torres told federal investigators it was his seventh immigrant smuggling trip. He implicated Hodge as the soldier who waved his van through the checkpoint. Investigators say Hodge pointed to Pachecho as the man who recruited and paid him. Hodge told investigators that he'd been paid for helping smuggle a load of immigrants in May, but the men had not worked out payment for the most recent load. Texas, and that seems unusual, why wouldn't you work out payment in advance? Texas Adjutant General Chuck Rodriguez said he was extremely disappointed to learn of the arrest. Quote, our military service members have an affirmative obligation to be actively supportive of our law enforcement partners at every level of government. This is our duty. Any breach of the public's trust in military by our soldiers will be thoroughly investigated. Well, isn't that nice? You know, this is the same position they always take whenever a cop gets caught, you know, dealing marijuana or caught taking bribes. They always, oh, well, this is just a bad apple. The rest of our crew, they're all good guys. Don't you worry. They're not corrupt. There's nothing else going on. It was only those three. Trust us, America. 800-259-9231. A little bit more about this case. Your calls as well. Perfect example of what you're going to see more of as this so-called war on immigration continues on. The bigger the war gets, the more the corruption will spread. Guarantee it. This won't be the first, uh, this won't be the last story you hear. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line for you. Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features there are completely free, including the bulletin board system. Head over to bbs.freetalklive.com to get interactive with us and uh, over 1,500 of our listeners. And there's over 240,000 posts for you to surf around through. Everything from serious issues to fun stuff, you'll find it all, and it's all free. BBS. FreeTalkLive.com. The Free State Project's Porcupine Freedom Festival, better known as Porkfest, is June 18th through the 24th. That's that's this Monday coming. Yeah. June right. 18th through the 24th. At Porkfest, you'll be able to socialize with hundreds of fellow activists and lovers of liberty and hear and discuss the progress and the future of the FSP. Register today at Porkfest.com. That's P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T.com. Porkfest.com. So we're talking about a a little story that came out of the Laredo, Texas area, where three National Guardsmen have been um, accused at this point. They've been busted for smuggling, not Mm. drugs, but immigrants. People. Which is exactly what we predicted would happen. I mean, it was already happening. They were already, you know, the coyotes were already paying off the border guards to allow them to drive on through with their trucks full of immigrants, Um, and now that there's National Guardsmen, that's just extra people to pay off. Or in the case of these guys, they decided to get into the business for themselves. That's right. You make something illegal and a black market emerges. Yeah, precisely right. And it's not going to go away. Um, It's going to get more and more pervasive as the clampdown on the border continues. If they build a fence, it'll just uh, just mean they have to raise their rates. During the break, I was thinking about this. And think of the market demand on the uh, southern side of the border. Think of the market demand. Now, these people have contact with and speak the language of plenty of illegal immigrants in this country. They are getting lots of clandestine news on what it's like to be an illegal immigrant 
immigrant in this country, mm-hmm. and the uh, it sucks the, at, the uh, arduous uh, conditions that they have to work under, um, the less than minimum wage that they're going to get paid, the just constant the, chance they could be rounded up and thrown into right, a jail the, the cell, living or... in fear, um, the the working outside of the system, just the whole aspect of it. And, and there's good parts too. You know, you can send your kids to school somehow or another. That doesn't get you caught. Um, and many of them get cars even if they don't have driver's licenses. You can get fake. Uh, you know, documents and that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. they, they hear the goods and the bads, and whatever it is that they're facing on their side of the border is so much worse yeah. than what it's like to live as an illegal alien in this country that they're willing to pick... Because if it was only slightly better to be an illegal alien in this country than it was to live on that side wouldn't of the border... Wouldn't bother. They wouldn't. They wouldn't pick up their lives and move um, hundreds or, you know, at least tens of miles um, into the United States. Mm-hmm. Hundreds, maybe, um, in their, more than hundreds of miles. Um up into the United States. They wouldn't well, be crawling through sewer pipes, as one of the guys on the Penn & Teller episode, had. Uh, re- he regaled uh, the, his story. And, you know, th- if if it stunk once they got here, and they were here for a year or two years, they'd go back. Yeah. But it must stink so badly over there that they're willing to come here and live as second, third, tenth class citizens. I mean, they're, they're, they're not even second class citizens. They, they, they don't even reach that level, unfortunately. So... That's the kind of market demand you have down there, right. and I don't think there's anything we're going to do that's really going to stop that from happening. Well, now, Wayne had a, good, a good idea that was better than the wall that he mentioned during the break, but I don't think it's going to stop us. But the real question, too, is why is Mexico so poor? Why, why is the country so depressed? Why do they have to come here to work? Well, the Mexican government's under the thumb of, the, of Washington. It's it, it's true the Mexican government is um you know we we just I know that there was a news story uh, recently that they were going to legalize drugs in Mexico small small amounts of possession the United States nixed it right yep um you know they can pretty much run their own little corrupt government down there um you know under our thumb you know we it's it's a lightly pressed thumb not a, right. not a hard pressed thumb but it's true well they also there was there's a big movement in Mexico to monetize silver. And that's also being nixed by a few select people in the uh, Mexican legislature, including the president, who's under the, the thumb of the U.S. Yeah, it wouldn't be good for uh, the international, the bankers around the world. Um, and if you think international bankers are all Jewish, most of them are Dutch. But it wouldn't be good for the most of the, uh, the Dutch international bankers out there if uh, anybody took up uh, precious metals as uh, their currency. Right. So that's not likely to happen, though one of the things that would certainly stop immigration to uh, the United States would be a turnaround of the Mexican economy, would be the Mexican economy to start performing better than the United States economy, which if uh, if the currency does crash finally, when the currency crashes here in, in America, then that'll give people less of a reason to come here. If everything is in financial turmoil in America, and there's a police state on top of it, a total police state crackdown with checkpoints and all the other things that, uh, and business verification, employee verification, federal government checks and everything, if all that really comes to pass here, then that'll give uh, the immigrants one less reason to come here. Then we'll have people trying to leave this country, except by that time there'll be a wall preventing us from doing that. Well, there'll be a lot of really wealthy people who are actually already getting all their assets out of the U.S. in preparation for that. I don't blame them. They'll just fly out or they'll take their yacht and (laughs) take off. Well, these guys aren't going to be able to do that. The three people, the three soldiers that were busted, they're being held by civilian law enforcement authorities on a $75,000 bond. Uh, they apparently are going to be to going to some sort of a military tribunal in this particular case. 
And uh, by the way, one of the soldiers in an interview a year ago with the Associated Press when he was first moved to the border said he was eager for the assignment in his hometown of Laredo. Quote, that's why we're here, to help them out, said Pacheco, who has uh, served in Iraq and in Europe. He says, I'm very lucky because they're going uh, they're there, fellow soldiers in Europe are going back to Iraq, and I get to go serve here in my hometown. And sure enough, he served himself just fine in uh, getting into the black market. And who knows, making, I mean, he claimed, they claimed they made seven trips, but, you know, that's just what they said. Who knows how many trips they made in that year's amount of time and how much money they pocketed or sucked right. away. Would you admit to it all? I mean, it doesn't seem like a good idea to me. Right. Maybe they made 50 trips. I'm, I'm sure that there. I know that there's people out there that'll uh, if they get caught for a crime they'll admit to everything they did. But I know there's a lot more, a lot more that will not. One trip a week doesn't seem like too heavy of a load if all you're doing is moving from one side of the border to the other. It's not like they're taking a load of drugs across the country or anything like that. Take your number and cut it in half, and you're still talking 26 uh, trips a year. Yeah. 800-259-9231. So look for more of this as the police state crackdown continues. The corruption will spread. I guarantee it. 800-259-9231. Eric in Michigan. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Eric. Hi, guys. Hey, what's on your mind? Uh, during the Great Depression, you had a bunch of people who couldn't manage their finances, and they ended up going under. Uh, the country took a huge dive, and we ended up in a really bad spot. If we switch to a libertarian system, why wouldn't that happen now? Okay. Um, you, you're broad sweeping strokes that are entirely unfair. Um, people were sold a bill of goods that, uh, in, in the fiat currency that uh, was, was instituted in 1913. And in this case, it wasn't entirely fiat-based. It was more um, the uh, fractional reserve lending. Um, banks were allowed to lend out ten times the amount of money that they took in. So money was sort of created. Do you understand? Um, they had been, in 1913, for, for every dollar, there was a you know little chunk of gold or silver. In 1914, um, for every little chunk of gold or silver, there were $10. Um, for every $1 of, uh, of gold and silver, there were $10. So suddenly, their, their whole system changed. And uh, there was a boom in the creation of 10 times as much money over time. Um, there was a boom in the, ten, in the creation of all this money. And then, Somebody had to pay the piper. Now, these people didn't know. The, the government didn't send out, warning, we're going to screw up the financial system. Right. You know, they just went ahead and did it. Right. The entrepreneurs found more money in their hands all of a sudden, and they did what they normally right. do Right. In it. the same way the banks are just, um, you know, they're, they're as rabid to, to lend you money on a house right now. Why are they rabid to do that? Because they don't get that money from anywhere. They're not getting it from depositors. It's being created out of thin air when they do it. And then they're offloading the loan uh, liability over to uh, the government, pretty much. Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, which are quasi-government agencies. Don't forget VA. Yeah. So that's all what happened. But what about Eric's question about what what would happen if the marketplace were in charge? I mean, wouldn't well, it's yeah, but the marketplace wouldn't be setting these below market interest rates for mortgages. The, if you had a free market uh, currency, the, the the interest rate would would reflect the true cost of, of holding the, lending that money. And it would be based on supply and demand in the marketplace instead exactly. of some arbitrary board of uh, directors at the Federal Reserve. Let's not forget the demand that the public would have for real money. I mean, if you have... Uh, what's the caller's name? Sorry. Eric. In Michigan. Eric. If you have the option of taking a $1 bill or um, $1 in silver that you know has $1 stamped on it, which one do you think you're going to take? Well, I think I'd take the, uh, the solid piece of uh, silver there, but I still don't think that explains the depression entirely. We'll bring you back then. Hang yes. on, Eric. 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. Just enough time for your call. If you make it now, this is Free Talk Live. 
This is Free Talk Live. Only moments remain, but just enough time for your call. Maybe if you make it now. 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. That's 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. You like the show? Well, then buy some stuff at amazon.freetalklive.com. When you enter Amazon through that link, anything you purchase in their 41 categories of stuff... Free Talk Live will get a percentage of. You've got to do the shopping anyway. You might as well shop at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. Huge selection, great prices, in many cases free super saver shipping. They even sell groceries now. Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. We're back with Eric in Michigan. Eric asking some questions about uh, the financial history of America, specifically the Great Depression and and how the government played a huge role. Now, we, we pointed out that the Federal Reserve Bank and their policies of just printing money and the uh, fractional reserve banking that it instituted was the major cause for the Great Depression. And you're saying that that wasn't a good enough explanation for you, Eric? I think it's about half because, uh, you know, that explains part of it. But at the same time, there is a national underclass. And we just had so much uh, production capacity in the country but very little uh, consumption capacity because you had this giant national underclass that just couldn't afford, you know, even bread, basically. And so uh, all the big businesses went under, and the people consequently suffered because they were Now, wait a minute. When couldn't they afford bread? It was during the Great Depression they couldn't afford bread. They were fine before that. That's a bit of an exaggeration. But according to the Brookings Institute, in 1929, the top 0.1% of Americans had a combined income equal to the bottom 42%. Not unlikely. I mean, we had uh, much less restrictive uh, immigration laws in the country at that point. Currently, what we're doing is we're excluding, um, at least from the statistics, uh, a, a great deal. Of, we're excluding people from the country and then excluding from the statistics people that are in the country that are making less than minimum wage. We're, we're uh, making assumptions inside of our, uh, with our numbers that just are simply not true. Um, and, you know, it's, I, it, it's kind of unfair to think that uh, somebody arrives at our shores and we give them a bushel full of money. Um, they have to work their way up. I do understand what you're saying, but the world was gross back then. I mean, we didn't have washing machines, we didn't have air conditioners, we didn't have all kinds of things. That's right. You know, there were a lot of factors. One is, uh, Herbert Hoover was president in 1930. He approved the Smoot-Hawley tariff, which basically he unintentionally raised the barriers around the world to U.S. products, which hurt our economy greatly. And and there's parallels to that today with Congress mulling uh, trade sanctions against China. The other problem was World War I created a lot of economic dislocations, and that was a lot of money we spent going into that war and eventually led to World War II. Right. Poor people don't cause depressions. It's manipulation of the money supply right. primarily. And, and the does. market itself would never, the market would never make the mistake of hugely overproducing for a class of people that wasn't there to buy it. That's I right. mean, that's not the sort of thing that the market does. Well said. Thanks for yeah. the call, Eric. We appreciate hearing from oh, you. Shoot, at I want to go on with him. Two five nine ninety two thirty one. I know a... he had something good in there that he was, you know, he was yeah. ready to spring on us. No, mm-hmm. well, anyway, I... this is this is not the easiest question in the world. No, this, it's um, not. This the Great Depression, and it's not something. It is absolutely not something that libertarians and people that believe in a monetary, uh, you know, a metal-backed currency can run away from. Um, we had ups and downs in the United States economy back when. Um, and, and by the way, we've had a. a our history has been in and out of fiat currencies. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's been, you know, in 1913 fiat currency came about because it didn't. Even, it wasn't, uh, you know, an axe chop like that. It wasn't that easy. But we ha- there's such things as depression with a, 
a monetary ba- or a metal backed monetary yeah, system. Yeah, but the Great Depression was in '33 after, after 20 years of being on a fiat money system. Right. Well, I've actually got a bit of st- some statistics here and some uh, some documented information from Mary Ruart's excellent book, Healing Our World. I love to pull this one out when someone brings up the Great Depression because she sums it up in just a couple of paragraphs here. Uh, she points out, and this is sort of it's, it's a sort of a retelling of what you said before, Mark, but with actual numbers. Uh, she points out that before the creation of the Federal Reserve, banks found they needed reserves about 21 percent so that they would have enough money on hand when their customers wanted to make a withdrawal. When the Fed took over the reserves of the national banks, it lowered the reserve requirement to half of that, or 10, about 10 percent. The Fed itself used a reserve system. It only kept 35 percent of the reserves entrusted to it by the member banks. So they're using reserves to the, uh, on the bank level as well, not just for loans for you and I. Uh, the balance was loaned out mostly to the government with wealth of the American people as collateral. Lowering reserves resulted in the creation of more money. As a result, the money supply doubled between 1914 and 1920, so in just six years. And once again doubled from 1921 to 1929. Yep, the roaring 20s. In contrast, gold in the reserve vault increased only 3% in the 1920s. Mm. The bankers would obviously be unable to keep their promise to deliver gold to depositors if a large number of people withdrew their money at the same time. Businesses couldn't use all the newly created money that the banks wished to loan because there was just too damn much of it at that point. It would drive down rates. So stock speculators were encouraged to borrow Hey, borrow some money. We've sure. got money to loan out. Borrow and invest it in the stock right. market. Right. Uh, you know, borrowing, yeah. um, betting on stocks in, um, on the margin is a really, really great system when stocks are uh, going, going up. up because yeah. then you can, you know, essentially use somebody else's money to make money. There was also a big real estate boom back in the 20s, too. So yes, there absolutely was. And that's how Sarasota got created in the first place. But when it comes to um, margins on, you know, when the stocks are going down, well, that means... You owe the money for, you know, ten times the amount. You lose your money in the stocks, and then you owe the bank. Yeah, on top you, of owe that. That, you owe 90% of what you just you had invested. But Ouch. many people did. They took the suggestions, they took the loans, and then they got heavily into debt, thinking that the boom would continue. In 1929, the Fed started deflation by slowing the creation of new money. People who'd counted on renewing their loans to cover stock speculations or other investments found they could no longer borrow. They were forced to sell their securities, and a stock market plunge ensued. The mini-crash in October of 1987 might also have been triggered by the Fed slowing the creation of new money. People who lost money spent less on goods and services. Therefore, business began to slow. Mm -hmm. With banks unwilling to renew loans, businesses began to reduce their workforce. Not as much business coming through the door? You can't afford your overhead. By the way, does any of this stuff sound like the Roaring Twenties to you? I mean, is there a market based on borrowing in the United States right now? Just ask yourself. I mean, (laughs) how much money do you have on your credit cards? How much do you... What is the percentage that you owe on your home? I believe it was 1921. I'm I'm, I'm kind of going a little crazy on this uh, this year here. Somewhere back in the early part of the 19th uh, of the 20th century, Mm -hmm. um, 98% of people owned their homes. Now... Two percent uh, now. Two percent of people own their homes. Ninety-eight percent are paying the oh bank boy. for the home, uh, yeah. home that they live in. You know, my grandfather was telling me that during the depression, a lot of people lost their homes not because they couldn't pay the mortgage, but because they couldn't pay the property taxes. 
Mm, that's another factor. People I hadn't began, heard that, but okay. So people began nervous or nervously withdrawing their gold deposits as banks in other countries quit honoring their promise to return the gold. Rumors circulated that the Federal Reserve would soon be bankrupt as well. Naturally, there was no way for the banks to exchange the, infl- uh, the inflated dollars for gold. As people withdrew their bank funds, the money supply decreases, just the reverse of what happens when they deposit it. The bank's failure to loan, coupled with a massive with- withdrawals, caused even greater deflation. People lost their savings and their purchasing power. In turn, businesses lost their customers and continued laying off workers. Each loss contributed to the next, resulting in the most severe depression Americans had ever known. Because the economy was built on borrowing. It was built on currency that is not there. And it still is. Let's go to the phones and talk to Dave in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live, Dave. Hey, guys. Well, I was just out taking a walk and trying to decide what I was going to talk to you about when the phone rang. Mm-hmm. And uh, on the other end of the line is a re- producer from Coast to Coast AM with George Norrie. Oh, wow. That's cool. And they want to interview Call us in your wild me. card line. 1-800. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, they want to interview me and uh, Michael Hampton about the Ed Brown situation. Oh, fantastic. So uh, we'll be on the air tonight, I guess, around 1 o'clock Eastern time. Great. See if you can get a plug-in for NHFree.com while you're at it. Don't forget Free Talk Live. Oh, I don't know if that'll work. No, that wouldn't be, that wouldn't be nice. That would be unfair. If you get in a plug for NHFree.com, that's, that's good enough. They'll find us eventually. There's a banner well, right I, there. Well, you know, I'm, of course I was thinking about that. But it's also, you know, we have to you know, bear in mind that this is, you know, I, I feel uncomfortable about uh, any organization profiting from the situation that Ed is in. On the other hand, I do think that he wants his situation to grow the freedom movement. He no, does. NHFree.com is not going to profit from it. It's just, I, it's true. honestly the best place. The NHFree.com forum, forum.nhfree.com, is the best place to get the latest information on the Ed Brown situation, in my opinion. Well, that's true, yeah. Right. And, 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 yeah, I mean, that thread, where they're talking about Ed Brown, I mean, there is no more active or up-to-date thread. That, that lists the uh, situation as right. A lot of the web, a lot of the websites out there that are reporting on the Ed Brown situation are gleaning their info from the NH3.com forum thread. So it is the originator we, of the information. When we do miss something, it seems like it gets to our thread pretty fast, even if we're not the first ones to report it. Dave, good luck with the interview. We're out of time. Thank you for the call. We got to move to Chris in Indiana real quick. You're on Free Talk Live, Chris. Hi. Uh, I just had a quick question for Mark. Yeah. Uh, what is the uh, deal with that? Creepy Bell on the uh, Republican Liberty Caucus commercial. <laughs> you know, we had to go. I, I believe that's Ian's uh, Bell. I think. No, he, you gave me that sound effect. I gave you the sound yeah, effect. Yeah, you gave me that. Well, somewhere came from the RLC. Some. I, I don't. I don't know. It's a Liberty so. Bell or something, right? Yeah, it's it makes me want to sacrifice somebody. Well, go sacrifice somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the call, Chris. Yeah, it's a mannequin. It has been Ian here with you, and Wayne, and Mark, and you can join us right here tomorrow night. And online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office products, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.